Welcome, everyone, to episode 86 of the RF Generation Collector Cast. We got the whole gang back. We were slightly delayed due to travel and gaming and cool reasons that we'll get into soon. But uh, how's it going tonight, Chris? I'm doing all right. Uh, I was goofing around with my kiddo before the show started, and I did some improper lifting. So kind of my back <laughs> is not feeling 100% right this minute. So took some Tylenol, sitting down. We're going to relax. Let's hope I can pull it back together. But you can't deadlift a kid. They squirm too much. Well, <laughs> you know, usually it's fine, but she was like curled up in a ball on the floor, and I just tried to do the the not improper lift, and yeah, so that, you know, you gotta hey, steal that, steal some of those signs at work that show you how to carry boxes and slap them around your house. So you don't forget. So. <laughs> oh, and that's it. I mean, they go through that so much at work. Like I should know better, right? They constantly shove <laughs> right. that down my throat. But I made a boo boo. I don't think I permanently hurt anything. Just a little strain. So. uh but hey, I'll you know I'll take a muscle relaxer or something later tonight. Go sleep and I'll be fine. So well, we're, we're glad <laughs> we're, right. we're 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 glad you're here. Uh, hopefully, you can get back to uh, making those personal best uh, deadlifts uh, in no time. <laughs> Uh, it's funny you have a, a little little back issue. Uh, I was doing some yard work today. Uh, Sarah insisted that we you know get ahead on our winter prep, so we were out kind of like you know getting the outdoor furniture covered, getting all the things, you know, like the faucets kind of cleared. Get, we have a little temporary pool that we had to get, uh, you know, so uh, same thing. Like I picked up like a bag of, uh, of like, you know, like marble chips or whatever. And I'm and like, just right before I picked it up, I was like, let me just, squ- you know, square myself to this, like <laughs> yeah. make sure everything's good because I know how sensitive my, my back is to stuff like that. So have definitely been there. So we're, we're, we're glad that you made it. Uh, and Kelsey, what's going on with you, man? I lifted my daughter properly today while we set up our <laughs> Christmas tree for some reason five weeks early. So. Wait, that's not even Thanksgiving. Wow. Well, it's not Thanksgiving so for you it, guys. We already did ours a month ago, remember? That's so, yeah, so it's not even Thanksgiving. It's, uh, yeah. you, you know, it's in, that's <laughs> interesting because cause here it's typically, you know, like the, the minute th- uh, Halloween's over, then, you know, we have the Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. you know, decorations yeah. and stuff. And then the minute Thanksgiving's over, then it's Christmas. But everyone's been saying it for years like it's earlier every year right like in mid-october there was like thanksgiving stuff like in like the seasonal you know aisles at target so it's interesting for canada with your thanksgiving having already passed is it is it typically christmas decorations this early up where you are no we're a little early but we needed a new christmas tree and my wife just happened to find one today for like 50 bucks on this huge sale so she brought it home and she's like i guess we're doing a tree today so we did the tree today (laughs) Awesome. So yeah, so uh, again, we have the whole whole gang here, so we're excited. We're going to be getting into some Mass Effect Andromeda uh, in just a little bit. Um, but uh, before we get into that, Kelsey, what has been going on in your neck of the woods besides tree decorating oh, well, and if, planning? If you can't talk about trees. I've got nothing past the Chris. <laughs> okay. Um, <I've>, so crit. <laughs> I finally finished Miracle Piano. It took me. Ta-da! Hey! It took me four months. To beat that game, but it is done. Wow. Roll over, done. Beethoven. Yeah, so I was able to give Engineer Mike his piano back that he graciously lent to me for four months, and was patient while I plugged my way through that. So that was quite a unique experience and and pretty interesting for something on the NES to go through. Which is it's cool being that far into the library and still having like cool surprises, even though it was frustrating at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've been so stuck on Mock Rider. What was the final? Oh, it was the final. Yeah, 
It was a song from the opera Carmen, <laughs> uh, the habanera from Carmen. Ooh. Dun, dun, okay. I know that song. Dun, 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 yeah, I played, uh, I, I was, yeah, I played piano when I was younger for a long time, like, you know, like eight, nine years. Um, oh, wow. And I learned several pieces from Carmen, and that's one of them. Yeah. It, it's nice that it's one of those songs that I've just, it's seeped in through pop culture over the years because it is mm-hmm. so much easier to learn a song when you know how it sounds and you don't have to learn that alongside with the notes. Yeah, same thing with like rock band guitar hero yeah. like just having some idea of the bones of the song like you're you're better than just going in fresh yeah big time um and then i've been immediately stuck on mock rider since i finished that for the last few weeks <laughs> uh which is a, a very like I, I anticipated it being a bit of a challenge but it's it's way more than i i was bargaining for i, I would not have kept it in my final 10 if i knew it was going to be this much of a pain i would have tried to take care of this a long time ago because at this point i'm just feeling a little burnt out and overwhelmed especially after how long miracle piano took and kari warriors and qbert and championship pool and i've done some really really drags this year and uh this is kind of the last of those and i finished two of the three modes on it but i've got the hardest mode left to do now and I thought I had it this morning. I had a really good run. Made it to like the second last stage before it starts looping. And just did a, a dumb mistake that I shouldn't have done. And it cost me the run. So I'll, I'll get it. Another week or two maybe. Just need another good run. Um, yeah, that's not yeah. a good game either. It's like it's not like it's fun to keep trying, right? I it's mean, okay. Like it functions like it's supposed to. Which is all you can ask for for a lot of those early nes games uh but the the weirdest thing about it because i was having so much trouble i'm like okay i need to look this up and look into this game and see if there's any help and it's got a power-up system that i just was unaware of because the manual doesn't tell you the game doesn't tell you it's not something you will ever do by accident uh because to get one of them like you have to destroy three of the the little uh barrels that are on the side of the road and then you have to crash enemies into obstacles to gain some of your shots back because you need to end the level with three barrels destroyed but over 186 shots and you only start with 80 shots so you've got to kill enough bad guys to <laughs> beef it up so that's one of them the next one is you have to destroy 12 of the barrels that are on the middle of the road not the sides because they count those as separate and then finish the stage so that one maybe you do by accident and then the third power-up, uh, you have to kill six of these like orbs that come flying at you in some of the stages. And only six. No more, no less. And it's really hard to do because they come really fast with no notice. They're kind of sporadic and random. And once you've killed six, you can't shoot the rest of the game or you might accidentally hit one of them again. So you got to try and make it through the rest of the stage without shooting, which is very, very challenging. So the, the power-ups are really good if you can get them like they let you drive through obstacles on the road or they give you infinite ammo or one hit kills things like that so they're worth going for but they're just really hard to get all three of them so if you can get all three of them though you're in a really good spot and that i did that this morning for the first time got all three of them in one run and i thought i was gonna win and then yeah it's one of those stupid orbs hit me mm. yeah and i could have slowed man. down thanks so Thanks. so what's the rattle them off because you can do that now what's left uh mock rider the immortal dungeon magic and indiana jones and the last crusade the ubisoft version 
I'll be really curious to hear your thoughts on The Immortal. Me too. I'm looking forward to that one. And honestly, I would have done that one a long time ago if it didn't have that weird uh, issue with my recording setup. I've, I've attempted it a couple times in the past, and it just won't show up on my recording thing, so i got to figure something out with that. Weird. Yeah. Um, so I've been wanting to play some more fun things lately than just frustrating things, because Mock Rider's really doing a number on my mental health. <clears throat> <laughs> so I played Hellblade, which is one that's been on my backlog. I've wanted to play for a couple of years uh, and is about mental health. So I thought that'd be a really cool one. And it was a really interesting narrative and the characters were really cool. Uh, not super long, which is exactly the length I was looking for right now. I didn't want to spend more than 10 hours on something else. So I really enjoyed it. Um, the ending didn't quite live up to the rest of the game for me but the journey to the ending i just loved it it's really neat lots of like uh environmental puzzle solving and just really neat uses of visuals and sound and stuff in that game that yeah. was just it's nothing nothing quite like it it was really really yeah. neat it's been on my list since the playcast did it and it's on game pass and i've now i've i've started it up like a couple times and it's like oh like we recommend headphones because mm -hmm. of all like the psychosis and things going yeah. on so i threw the headphones on and i was like "Ooh, this is cool but every like the first the two times i fired it up i'm like you know what like there's stuff happening there's people around here i can't really focus on what's happening and i wanted to hear like all the whispers and all yeah. the things happening so i've kind of i've kind of put it like you know down until i have like a little bit of quiet time so that's a good but it's good been on my list it. for a while yeah you don't want to be distracted you kind of want to have all your focus on it yeah. isn't it like the same team that did heavenly sword uh yes it is not anything really like heavenly sword though it's, it doesn't have like there is a little bit of combat in it but it's much different than that kind of really action heavy stuff and it's not a focus of the game at all. Um, there's no six-axis support like Heavenly Sword when you shoot your arrows thank, and you can fly God. them around. <laughs> yeah. I, go, go play Layer. Yeah. Heavenly Sword's one of those games where I wanted to like it a lot, and I just didn't much. So. I did. I played it early on the PS3, so I, I was into it. It's yeah. fun combat. If, if I remember correctly, it, it was super early, right? And it was yeah, one of those games. Like that like, oh, like maybe, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's super, super early. And... Um, uh, the other one was, um, oh, I can't think of it, but yeah, like Heavenly Sword, I just remember like all the, the attention they paid to like her hair and like just how much, how flowing like and uh, everything was and like the, the physics awesome. of it. Yeah. 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 Um, what else have I been playing? Uh, I've been playing a little bit more Lufia with Engineer Mike. He came over a couple times in the last couple weeks. Uh, and we're plugging away at that. Where's my piano? Yeah. Where's my piano? I finally gave it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think we got maybe two more sessions on that if it goes well, and and we should cool. be finished and up Lufia. Um, Dragon Quest Five I finished since we last talked and loved that game the whole way through, and it was just what I needed, like with, to like balance the Miracle Piano Mark Rider stuff, like just fun light story, like cool twit. Well, mm. there's some dark stuff in it too, but it, it would bounce back after the dark stuff into fun again. Uh, and because I've done four Dragon Quest prior to this, uh, I kind of knew the formula. So I got to a part of the game where I'm like, this feels like the ending, like this next place is going to be the last dungeon. So I'm like, I'm just going to grind for a bit until I think I'm comfortable enough to take this dungeon on. Cause those, the last dungeons in all the Dragon Quest games are no joke. Like they're just, they're rough. So grinding myself up to like, I don't know, 43 or something. 
And then I, I beat it on my first try, which I've never done on any Dragon Quest game. Through the dungeon <laughs> and the boss, all in one go, first attempt. Felt so good about that, that I just understood the game well enough to be able to do that. And there is a dragon named Dr. Aegon, and he talks like Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. And it's just <laughs> so delightful to have Nothing a dragon at all. talk like that. <laughs> so good. It's like, yeah, just <laughs> so funny. Um, I've been going over to a friend's house to play some House of Ashes. I don't know if you guys know the Dark Anthologies games. I do not. You know? uh, so you, do you know Until Dawn? I've heard of it. Yes. Yeah. So that company, Supermassive, I think they're called, they've done an anthology horror game since then. So they've done Man of Medan and Little Hope, and this is the third one, House of Ashes. And so they're like, they're horror games and they really lean into a genre of horror and do a lot of tropes and storytelling from the movies, but you control all the characters. So you get to make the choices. If you're not hitting the prompts and stuff, you die. But the best thing about these games is they let you uh, map. If you've got multiple people there, like you always play the same character. So you're this guy and your friend's that guy and this other person plays the woman. And so we all have our own character that we go through and we just kind of role play it. And it's super fun because uh, you're kind of hoping the other guys screw up because it's funny for you if their life is harder, if they don't find a weapon, if they screw up a quick time event and they get separated from the party or like whatever it is. It, it's fun even if you're doing bad. Uh, and th- this one's set up, so it's in 2003 in Iraq and it's a military setting. And so everyone else is U.S. Army and I, don't know, I got the Iraqi soldier. So I'm like separate from them story-wise too. So it's really fun to kind of play around with them and like mess with them sometimes too because it kind of fits the, the character. So we've done the first two acts and then I think there's three acts. Uh, and there's some kind of like vampire monsters like killing us in an underground uh, uh, like temple. It's really neat. Uh, a lot of fun to play with people. I, I, I've played a couple of them by myself too. And Until Dawn was really good, but they kind of... Not as fun without being able to play with friends since that one, I think. Um, I played through Scott Pilgrim with my children, and it was okay. I I don't love River City Ransom, and this borrows heavily from River City Ransom. Uh, So, like, I don't want a leveling up system really in my beat em ups. I just want to beat people up. And so, grinding for money and like buying upgrades and things is kind of boring. Uh, but I do like a lot of the music and we, we had fun, but it's not one I think I'm probably going to revisit anytime soon. Um, once I finished Dragon Quest, I wanted another handheld to take with me. Uh, so I started Persona 2 Innocent Sin on the PSP, which, uh, I don't know if you know the early Persona games, but two had two releases on the PlayStation in Japan, but only one of them made it over here on PlayStation. So this is the second one but it didn't come out until the PSP. So it's kind of like a remake, reimagining of that uh, old PlayStation game. And they're, they're rough. They're not as good as when 3 kind of changed the formula. But uh, I kind of want to play it for completion's sake and, and add it, cross it off the Shimigami list. Hmm. Um, and my favorite thing out of all the stuff I've been talking about that I've been playing over the last two weeks is Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 which I tried to recommend to Bill on the Switch. I don't know if he's picked it up yet, but I'm going <laughs> to plug it one more time. I've been playing it with my five-year-old daughter and having the best time with her. It is so much fun. And she's 
really into switching up the characters and the team so we get to try all these different builds uh she's she's like learning all these superheroes and she starts talking to me about like the inhumans and ghost rider and all these like characters that she wasn't aware of before we started playing that she's really into now um just today we got uh, black panther and storm and so she's like super excited about black panther because he's like a cat she loves cats so she's running around slashing everybody with him and just having a blast and then so when she is at school or after bedtime or something uh, i can just put it on and there's all these like uh, challenges you unlock as you play through it so i can go do the challenges and kind of beef up our team level guys up uh, find new uh, equipment to throw on them unlock new costumes and things so when she comes back the next day we have an easier time playing the story because we're like 10 levels above where we're supposed to be kind of thing so i've been having a blast with her playing that um and then i went to the movies a couple times too since we talked went and saw the eternals and i really liked it i know it's kind of getting mixed signals from everybody uh if you're going in for a marvel movie it's a lot slower it's like a two and a half hour drama about a dysfunctional family so it's not there there's some fight scenes and stuff of course and some cool cg stuff but it's really rare to see them like they're they're really paced out but I liked it. It was a really cool change pace um, and something I definitely want to watch again. And then my neighbor has been bugging me to watch this Jodorowsky documentary about a Dune movie that almost got made in the 70s. And that was going to have like Pink Floyd and Mick Jagger and Salvador Dali in it. Just sounded wild. So we watched this, this documentary on Dune. And then I watched the 1985 Dune with my wife. And then that neighbor took me to see the new Dune movie in the theater so i've had a lot of dune this last week or two (laughs) and the new movie is really good really really good uh it's only half of the movie though so just know that going in it doesn't have a satisfying ending because you're waiting for the other part to come out in two years or whatever it's going to come out but i really really enjoyed it that that's that's been my last three weeks i think very cool. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot of good stuff in there. So uh, you mentioned that you did plug the Ultimate Alliance three, and that is accurate. It has been on my list for a while. I've shown the kids, and they're like, "Oh yeah, like we'd be into it," but like it just we haven't pulled the trigger on it. Um, but of the games that you have uh, plugged to me, uh, the top one on my uh, switch list is uh, uh, Astral Chain, uh, which is uh, forty bucks Buy, uh, Black Friday yeah, Black, or Black Friday sale. That's right. Yeah, coming up. So that that's on my list. If I can grab it for forty, that'll be uh, one that I grab off that uh, that switch list that you guys uh, were nice enough to uh, to pass to me. And also, uh, I I switched up my uh, I, I'm keeping a to playlist these days, so like I know exactly what I'm going to next. So I'll I'll get to that uh, when I get to mine. But there's another one that you've recommended to me that's on my to playlist now. So it's gonna happen at some point real soon. But We'll switch it over to Chris, and we'll get caught up with uh, what's going on uh, in your neck of the woods. Okay, so um, not not quite as uh, deep or exciting, but you know, a few <laughs> things I've got to talk about. Um, you know, Elden Ring talk is everywhere, and trailers and I, all sorts of I love of that stuff. your show notes is just Elden Ring and then a sad face emoji. <laughs> <laughs> and i can't tell if that's a sad face a, comma or a sad face with a tear that is running down the sad all, face all of, the, all of the above um so yeah obviously as we record this the network test is going on and uh 
Bandai Namco politely send me a no thank you email. That, Did you uh, respond with a screenshot of a platinum trophy from every single Souls game? <laughs> I, I don't think that would work, but you know, it kind of hurts a little. Kind of hurts mm. a little, but you know. I mean, who? But that's it's who are they giving it to? If not you, influencers. Uh, they. Yeah, you should have sent them a link to our show then. Then they would know oh. you're an influencer. Selling so many copies of their yeah. games. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, you know, I, I got the fever to play again. So I started up a DS a Dark Souls 3 run. Doing a strength faith build on this one because I haven't really done... I typically go for dex builds because I usually like to hit faster. And, you know, not as much damage. But sometimes strength can be fun. And then pairing that with miracles, you know, it's it's an odd for me combination. Usually, I go a completely different direction. So anyway, it gives me something new to try out um, with that. And then I was pleasantly surprised to see on Twitter that uh, our friend Pam had said, like, I started playing one of these Souls games. Like the first tweet sounded kind of like, Meh. and then it was like, oh, this is really I really love Dark Souls Three. Like I want to keep playing it. And I'm just going, oh yeah, yeah, you've you've. The bug has bitten you. Yep. So. We got a live one over here. Right. I'm like, okay, very good. Yeah. I saw that tweet. You were you were like, I feel like a proud papa. And then she said the thing that that you have like said to me about what's so cool about the game, and that I've felt as well. Where you're like, you just look around the world, and then at some point in the future, you look around again, and you're like, wait a minute, I was there. You know, like everything is so thought out and connected. And when someone picks up on that. You're just very Jeremiah Johnson with your uh, <laughs> approval rating of that uh, observation. Yeah, that's always the thing. When you're in the world, you can see everything. I mean, it may be small and distant, but you can see it. It's there, yeah. right? And yeah. A lot just, of times you'll look like back. Just like the last wish. You know, like, oh my gosh, yeah. there's where I started. Way over there. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that in Destiny uh, uh, until... Uh, so the last wish which is my favorite raid in destiny they did like a developer like commentary on like a few months after it came out and they just kind of the dev team like plays through it and like different people on the team kind of walk through and then they got to a point and they were like okay now here if you look back like you can see like where you were and if you look ahead they're like that's the tower that you're gonna end up unlocking and i was like i've never realized that you can see like the whole thing like for it's the because a lot of times in a raid you're like underground or like you can't you know you're like subterranean but uh i thought it was really really cool that the whole thing was thought out um you know in a, in a you know kind of like progressive like way like where you're going through the steps it was so cool reminded me of dark souls yeah, so having fun with the build, um, I, you know, I, I don't know what to say about those games. I've played through them so many times, I still enjoy the <laughs> crap out of playing them again. But they have that kind of versatility. That uh, And they again, they feel to me like they've... It's that same sort of feel I got when I played action NES games in the day, you know. It's just, there's that constant action and engagement and nonstop, so... Um, having a lot of fun with that. I, where am I going to go next? I don't know. This is a stopgap. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not real sure. <laughs> it's got to uh, burn some time until it, March. Kind of yeah. like, yeah. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, um, Dark Souls is like. It probably sounds weird, but that kind of game is like comfort food, right? Or it's like a warm mm. blanket. It's like, oh, this is enjoyable time, and that's why I play games is to enjoy myself. So. Yep. I don't know. I don't know what else I'll do or 
maybe if we'll get to something. But um, moving on from that, yeah, just getting back to yeah, what everybody was laughing about with my writing here is, uh, yeah, obviously I didn't make the network test and uh, right, they sent me the email. But I have watched some of the video. There's a lot of video that's out there, of course, now. Um, not that I'm trying to spoil anything, because I, but the thing is, like, these network tests, they don't, they are a slice of the game, but the slice you see is not necessarily what you're going to get at the end. Like the environment, the layouts will be similar, but they move characters around and things just so they can test some things out and get an idea. So, you know, I don't feel like I was ruining anything. And, you know, I was just curious since I don't get to play it. <laughs> and, uh, outside of that, um, far as like movies and things, I, I, I've not been out to a theater, but I, Shang-Chi or, I haven't watched yeah. it yet I, I, but I mean it just came out so I'm going to try to watch that this weekend um, nice. Quan Chi and the <laughs> golden whatever nugget I don't know what it's called Rich Divizio has got a new movie it's, out it's got a terrible name the movie, the, the, the movie's name is terrible because I can't remember it but, The Legend uh, of the Ten Rings right so okay uh huh yeah Bill, I'm going to quiz you on that tomorrow. See if you remember it. Um, I, what I have been watching, though, because we're, you know, not too far away, but since we did the last show, it was Halloween time. And so, of course, uh, Halloween time consists of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You have to watch uh, Rocky Horror, and I think Bill's probably going to uh, to have something to say about that one a little bit. But, uh, God, man, I just love that movie. Uh, it's so much fun. <laughs> And to watch, especially with friends and everything, and uh, a great flick. And uh, a not so happy flick is uh, is I watched whatever the Bob Ross Netflix documentary is, and holy crap, that's like takes I had no clue, right? You just think of Bob Ross, and Bob Ross himself, yeah, is that character that you love, and but holy crap, was like his business partners there's some stuff let me just say if you haven't watched it <laughs> i don't know and of, like I, i'm aware of who bob ross is it's heartbreaking and, and why people like him but i know i've never watched him i don't know really know anything about the guy beyond he paints and he has so, a positive attitude yeah well i mean just to give you an idea that like uh he was hit and he recorded a show in muncie indiana which is like 20 minutes from yeah. here so i mean oh. He was local, like when all that stuff was happening. So around here, everybody knew Bob Ross, and I mean, obviously he has a certain popularity due to his show um, and whatnot. But you get to learn like about the business side of things and the backstory. It's really kind of interesting. You know, I would probably say if you, if that's the sort of thing that interests you, it's worth a watch it's on Netflix. Um, but you feel like oh, you feel so bad by the end of it because of like how everything went down. Uh, there's shady people in this world. Let me just say that. Really, <laughs> and they all live 20 minutes from Chris. Uh, I don't know where those people live anymore, but man, they better hope they don't live 20 minutes close away from me if I see them. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, moving on from that, just a couple of the fun things. Uh, it's Street Fighter League is in full swing. So uh, if if you like Street Fighter and that's your thing, you know it's already. We're getting probably not about halfway into the season, but it's just a great, great thing to watch. They aren't really terribly long. Uh, the U.S. Street Fighter League is every Thursday night, 
and Japan Street Fighter League, they do um, a couple days. They split over a couple days, and uh, so you can watch the VODs, you know, whenever you want. I would say for the Street Fighter League, Japan, they do have English commentary the whole way through uh, live. I, I don't get up in the morning to watch it live, but they do. And uh, you'd be fine fast-forwarding through a lot of it if you're just interested more in the matches. I would say the the U.S. Street Fighter League is just really a lot of fun to watch. Um, but again, it's probably the differences in the markets and things, right, and how they plan their things out. But, um, you know, even if you're not deep into Street Fighter, it does enough, I think, to also introduce and things that you to you. So good place to just jump in. If that's your if that's your deal, and Street Fighter League doesn't last that long. I think it's like maybe eight, ten weeks, something like that. But uh, team stuff that you don't usually see in a lot of fighting games. And then last but not least, uh, the I had on pre-order for a really long time the vinyl release of the Demon Souls remake soundtrack. Finally dropped the other yesterday. Actually, I haven't had a chance to pop it in and listen to it yet because kids and everything have been around, but. Um, still, it's a wonderful soundtrack. I'm, I'm no doubt that it'll be great. So it was nice to see that drop. And uh, I don't know if there's still. I I imagine you can still get it. I mean, it was, I just bought it through Amazon, so it wasn't some kind of weird, oh. scary, crazy release or anything. So if that's something that you're in the mood for, then uh, you could probably still hop on uh, on Amazon or wherever and order a copy. So well, uh, that's me. That's what I'm. Besides working, that's about what I've been up to. I would imagine that you were mentioned in many, many tweets and posts. Well, like whenever like a, a Demon Souls or like Souls thing becomes available, you're probably notified by a lot of people. Like, oh, do you know about this? And I think I remember you saying that about the soundtrack. It was like, who do you think you're talking to? I've got this on pre-order. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I appreciate you know I, yep. in case something does slip past. But uh, now, yep. no, now it's the can I get an Elden Ring? I don't know, collector's edition. Because, you know, like mm. the first pre-order batch went really fast. But oh, gotcha. Bandai Namco is revamping their store, and they haven't put theirs direct sales up yet. So I'll keep an eye out. I'm sure it'll be something yeah. I can find. It's not going to be that crazy. The super limited premium mm. one that probably is going to cost mm. a gajillion dollars, I, I, I can't afford that. And I don't really need a life-size helmet. But uh, I'll be curious at least to see what the price that one goes for. Yeah. I mean, same thing. Like, ever, like you know, Destiny always has these two hundred and fifty dollars collector editions, like everything does these days. And as big a fan I am of the series, there's never been a thing in there that I'm like, oh, that would just be a really cool thing to have. It's always like a statue that I know will just get dusty and like isn't like my favorite looking thing. So, so yeah, it's like uh, I'm actually worried about them putting out one that like I have to have because I'm like, oh crap, now I got to spend two hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> on this thing. It is kind of cool of them also to do a version that doesn't actually have the game for people who like you know buy it digitally or get it through a subscription or something. They always do like a hundred and fifty or hundred and seventy dollar version that like just has the stuff and like not the actual game, which I think is is thoughtful of them to you know think of all the different uh, people who might play the game. Yeah, the Elden Ring CE is a bit pricier than what they've gone before. I think this one's like one eighty, one ninety. Mm. Um, all the other ones before have been like 120 so mm. but I mean they've shown once and it looks very nice but we'll see how it all pans cool. out very good alright good stuff so um, I've, I've got uh, a bit to talk about uh, hopefully I uh, won't go too long and be too boring and we'll 
get you guys involved along the way so you don't have to just uh, uh, sit and listen to me gab for a bit. But uh, um, So I recently um, had to go on a business trip. Um, so this business trip was Monday to Friday, and then uh, our Retro World Expo uh, was starting. So it was a very busy week for me that my wife was... I mean, not like upset that I was going, but just it's it's a tough week when you have the kids all week and then all weekend, you know, like I'm, I'm at an expo, I come back Sunday night. So uh, we got through it. So beginning of that business trip, um, I, I always take too much stuff. I'm like, I take, you know, oh, let me pack my Xbox and I'll pack my Switch and I'll have my computer. And it's like, you know, I always take too much stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to take my laptop and I have games on that and, you know, I'll, I'll do what I can on that. And so the first night, uh, uh, to uh, piggyback off of Krabby, um, it was the only night that I was going to be there. My boss was not in town. So I was like, okay, I have to, if I'm going to go see Dune, which I wanted to see in theaters, I have to go tonight. So I went to see Dune on Monday night, um, having never seen uh, uh, the Lynch original, having never read the source material, just kind of hearing different things from different people about you know, obviously it's weird. Lynch, you know, is a you know is is an interesting, uh, enigmatic filmmaker, and just knowing what I know from like kind of literature uh, people that are fiction, uh, science fiction fans, that the original Frank Herbert is like a bit of a tough thing to follow. Um, so uh, so going in kind of fresh, not having any expectation or like any previous knowledge, movie does a really good job kind of getting you into the world. Um, uh, I, I will say I did not know that it was a part one, <laughs> um, but they do say that right. Like the, it doesn't say it on the movie poster, and it doesn't say it like on the ticket. But like when the movie starts, and it's like brah Dune, it's like really little underneath it, part one, and it's like oh you guys. <laughs> so yeah, like like Krabby said, it it I mean there there's there's not a full resolution but like some stuff happens and it takes you into the next part of the story and it's like kind of a to be continued type thing um it's uh, I'm, I'm a little torn on it because i was it, it was a, it was on the later side it started at eight o'clock so i didn't get out of it till like 11 which is a little bit late for me so i was i was a little bit tired i dozed off like once just because of how, how late it was but i i i saw the whole thing and it's it's two things it's like sometimes if i've read the book and I love the book, and then I go see the movie. I'm like, oh, I hate how they just glazed over, you know, like so many of these important details. And then the other thing they can do is they can really go in on those details and take their time and like make sure you know they're really important. And I'm sure that was awesome for people who like knew the book and knew those details. But as someone who was just like a tired person, <laughs> you know, like seeing a movie after 8 p.m., I was like, man, this is really, you know, kind of kind of really nailing it home you know like uh, making sure we understand these points but uh uh, overall i really liked it um han zimmer uh the score is incredible so i'm glad i got a chance to pre-order that the mondo release um i am interested in watching it again just now that i kind of have that foundation and you know get some rest on some of the shots in it too like there's one that really sticks my mind when an ornithopter is leaving town and the harkonnens are just raining missiles down on it It yeah yeah beautiful just like that image is just stuck in my head yeah and and not having anything to compare it to um what's his face um uh stellan skarsgård um who's awesome in everything was really 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 good uh in in that role i didn't know Um, he was in it it was a cool surprise for me yeah yeah i i didn't like i kind of knew 
I mean, obviously, I knew about Chamolet, I knew about uh, Poe Dameron, um, but like I didn't know Batista like until I saw I knew, him. I knew. Um, I thought I knew everybody in this, but that one oh, I just really? didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love how they. I mean, because and even though like uh, um, Chamolet and his dad, um, like they have a good relationship, and it really is like a fa- like a mentor and a son relationship, like father son like mentoring relationship. It's not like they're not buddies, right? Yeah. But then the relationship that he's got with uh, uh, Aquaman, like that's his buddy. Yeah. Like those are the yeah, that's the predator. You know, like the bro fist. So like they really are building relationships and building foundations. And and he's got a really uh, weird relationship with his mom too, because yes, of her background. yeah, for yeah. sure. There's that whole separate part of her background that she's trying to, you know, instill upon him and like, should she be doing that type of stuff? So I'm really interested in watching it again um, now that I kind of have that foundation. But uh, yeah, super, super interesting. Um, and again, I, I, you know, I just had that that situation where like it was late. I was I had worked all day. I was tired, but I really wanted to see it. It's so slow I, so burn, too. Like the, for yeah. sure. For sure. It is not. I would I would definitely know, like there's big action set pieces in it. It's not an action movie. Um, and and uh, you know because you, you know about those big sandworms, right? So like there's this scene where like the sandworm is like on its way and it takes him like you see him, but it's like it takes him a long time to get there, but it's still a tense scene and then well, yeah, like the, I, I, the scale. Like I didn't time it, but they were like, you know it's coming for the sand crawler or the spice harvester and they're like, it's five minutes out. I think it was like a literal five minutes that like it took to yeah. get there. So it felt really long in the movie. Yeah. Right. Cause usually and, when they and, say and that, then, it's like you know, 30 seconds later. The thing happens. Right. Yeah. They'll, they'll do their cuts or whatever. And then like, uh, uh, like they, the editing was really great in that scene because like, uh, like, the, the father like kind of turns around and realizes that his son's not there. It's like still on the ground and like then they got they, they still got to go get him. So, and the size of these worms, like the scale, yeah. like you don't realize, and like you see him in the you know the posters and stuff, but like you do not realize how big they are. And the couple of times that you get to see them on screen, like in full scale, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I, like I know you said you didn't see the eighty five one, but like they they were fine for eighty five, but like these ones are like seven eight times as big like they're they're way they're way cooler <laughs> yeah yeah so so yeah excited about that just wanted to mention that so um uh i uh so the fr- that was the first night and then i so all i had with me was my laptop and since i purchased axiom verge 2 on the epic game store on the pc uh due to cloud saves i could continue it there so i actually i didn't realize how close i was to finishing axiom verge 2 i thought i would have like the week to play it i finished it the first night that i fired it up on the business trip it was like axiom verge 2 done um so uh uh, we can talk about that more in detail maybe after uh some more people have played it just to kind of stay out of the spoiler territory but just to kind of piggyback what i've said about it before um, it's the same same guy who did all of Axiom Verge one, like the entire game, you know, music, uh, programming, art, like the whole deal. Um, it is the combat's not projectile based, like a like a Metroid uh, or like Axiom Verge one. It's melee based, so you have like a weapon that you're swinging, a few different options. You still have that mechanic where you can switch into that like small like drone, uh, you know, kind of a, a mode. And there is like a breach that you can go through. So there's like, it's almost like a, a link to the past type deal where it's like, there's almost like two overworlds and you need to go between the two of them to like, you know, do certain things and get around certain obstacles. Um, 
it's it's I, re- I really try not to just compare it directly to one because they're they're different games and it's it's unfair to do that but at the same time it's got the name axiom verge in it so you gotta want you know like is it as good as one type deal it's so different like axiom verge one is like is heavy in the sci-fi um that like isolated you know like foreign planet alien like you know type things and two takes place mainly in a place that just feels organic and feels real and like the music feels earthly and um even though there's like a lot of sci-fi stuff going on it just got a totally different feel um i still really enjoyed it i'm glad i pre-ordered the soundtrack on the uh, limited run uh, games vinyl um but uh, yeah maybe after uh, uh if you guys ever give it a try we can we can chat a little bit more about it and i know rich um is waiting until he gets his physical copy next year so uh that'll be a conversation we'll have uh, as well with that one uh so the next one on my list was the uh, telltale batman series um, which i've had for a little while but never uh, played so i think the first time i tried went to play it i was just kind of like you know like hanging out not realizing oh like there's gonna be qte you know like prompts like i need to be at the ready all the time so um i uh uh, and also, I was playing on the PC, so the, all the prompts were on for mouse and keyboard. And some of them were like gestures, so like left, not just like left on the joystick, it was like move your mouse left. So I was just like, you know, <laughs> it was a little bit crazy. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to stop. I'm going to play this on a controller, you know, like when, when I play this again. So started it, um, got, I don't know how long the chapters or like the segments are, but I got I through the first couple of action each. set pieces. Okay, so I'm I'm probably about halfway through the first uh, uh, chapter. Uh, there's there's like a party that like uh, it's like Bruce and Harvey, and it's like uh, with all like the at the uh, at Wayne Manor, right? And, yep, yeah. yep, and uh, um, it's uh, uh, um, I don't remember if it's is it Falcone or is it another? It's if it's not Falcone, yeah, it's like it's another one of, of the mobster. crime guys. Yeah, I can't remember if it was Falcone. And, and he comes and he come and like speak and we're talking about like you know decisions that matter. Um, so it's, so, you know, right immediately it's like, oh, like, I just want to talk to you, Bruce. And it's like, you can either say, oh no, like Harvey comes in or you can be like, no, like Harvey doesn't come in. So like everything in Telltale, it's like, oh, he'll remember that. Oh, he'll know, you know, so it's, it's, it's fun making these decisions that you get to kind of see where they, where they end up going. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I started that. So I'm looking forward to keeping that going. Um, that's really all the gaming I did before the expo started because at the end of the business trip, I went straight from uh, my business trip to uh, Hartford uh, for Retro World Expo 21. Uh, even though I'm not involved on the planning and the uh, the you know the the management side anymore, um, the guys gave me a call and asked me if I would help out, and they said they you know love to see me, would love to uh, you know uh, kind of get me back in the mix for a couple days, and uh, they covered uh, uh, you know some of the expenses for for the trip, which was great. So I uh, ended up uh, in Hartford, and then. Uh, Rich, uh, the single banana from the uh, uh, RF Gen Playcast and uh, RF Generation, and Bickman, uh, Adam from uh, uh, also from RF Gen Site Director, uh, were both able to fly in. So I ended up running like the vendor check-in for a little bit, and very early on in the morning, earlier than than I I think I realized he was going to be there, I get a text from Rich, and it's like, hey, like I'm here. And I'm ready for a beer. <laughs> so, uh, I, like, I think I was sitting in a room and I just laughed out loud. And then 
few minutes go by and I walk out of the room and Rich is standing there. I was like, oh, I didn't know you were like right here standing here. So it was, it was great to see Rich. Um, we ended up having lunch at a barbecue place uh, that day. And uh, Adam showed up just a few minutes after we were done with lunch. So we like walked back uh, to the lunch place and we, you know, we grabbed him some food and just kind of hung out and checked in exhibitors for a bit and kind of, uh, you know, like helped out uh, Lance and Chris. And uh, we end also ended up meeting up with uh, our good friend, Rusty Man. Uh, and he was there running the Mario Kart again uh, with his uh, with his uh, uh, new wife was there um, in, in peach gear. And they were uh, kind of like taking care of the... Uh, you know the whole mar they had like this like remote control mario kart thing and they set up like the cones and everything so so like kids were like r like rc racing mario kart cars like and like russ's car was almost like a big mario level oh, but they were like cool. going like in and under and around so yeah it was a it was a pretty cool setup they said unfortunately it didn't always work it, it worked in like the pre-game kind of setup phase but I guess since those things rely on like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, oh, once you got a ton of people in there, like yeah, like it wasn't always reliable. But they said you know, when there wasn't a ton of people around, they got it to work. So uh, so that was really cool. Um, but what was really the, the best thing about it, besides seeing uh, you know Chris and Lance and, and Adam and Rich, was at the end of like you know kind of like late Saturday morning, like once everything was kind of settled down, just checking out of that work situation and just becoming a regular attendee at the show uh which is not something i've really been like i went a couple years ago with callahan and that was great but you know being there with your kid who you kind of have to stay with and you can't really like run off it's not the same as just being there you know like kind of on your own with your buddies so um i just went booth to booth slowly and methodically and went through all the stuff like kind of like a regular person who goes to video game conventions and it was so cool it was like everything that i had hoped it would be <laughs> um it was really great i met a lot of cool vendors i chatted with a bunch of people there was this one vendor who uh you know saw me looking at sports games i was oh, like what are you looking at? I was, oh any any hockey i don't have already and i kind of showed him my hit list and stuff and he's like really it's like that's interesting just go hockey games and he was so impressed every like time i would do like another lap he was like, you're still finding hockey games? I'm like, yep, found two more. <laughs> so, uh, he, that was a really cool booth. I ended up getting uh, Blade Runner, um, a VHS from him, and The Thing VHS, which I, I gifted to my brother-in-law. It's his favorite film. Um, and uh, uh, so just real quick, the hockey games that I picked up, uh, even though it's just going to be a bunch of letters and numbers, uh, <laughs> but I grabbed NHL 18 and 19 on the PS4, uh, 2004, 2005 on the GameCube, uh, and the rest were uh, were ones that I kind of kind of didn't expect to see. You don't see them a whole lot. Um, on the Genesis, Tecmo Super Hockey, uh, which is one that I sometimes forget about, um, and then the both Brett Hall Hockeys for the uh, Super Nintendo, uh, Brett Hall Hockey and Brett Hall 95, and then the one of the coolest things I found towards the end of the the second day because uh, you never find boxed complete Game Boy Color stuff. So someone had NHL 2000 uh, complete on Game Boy Color. I was like, yep, sold. So uh, And that was great because we had stopped at that booth and he had like a 600 or $650 Super Mario Land. Um, and it was just like a card. Like it didn't have the game there because like for security reasons. And I'm looking at it and me and Rich are looking at it. I'm like, why the hell would this be $650? Right? And the guy, he's like, and he kind of calls over from 10 feet away. He's like, you're wondering about the $650 Mario Land, right? We're like, yeah, like, what is that? And he's like, so apparently 
uh, the first printing of Mario Land six golden coins, the screenshots on the back were green, like like right off like a Game Boy, and then every printing after that they were black, uh, like black and white. I could be reversing that, so it, it's either one or the other. But like whatever the original one is, like that box is worth like a lot more, or at least this guy thinks it is. He <laughs> <laughs> was asking that much, but we were chatting with him, and he was anything you guys are looking for. I was like, oh, hockey games. He was like, oh, hockey, and it kind of went behind, and he picked up NHL 2000, and I was just like, sold. And uh, and he was like, how's my price on that? And I was like, I don't know, but I never see Game Boy Color stuff. And he had it marked, you know, 15 bucks. So I checked price charting, and it's 17. I'm like, yep, you're right in there. And what was great is he said too. He's like, oh yeah, I, I, he's like, I try to do price charting and then take a little bit off. And I was like, that's all yeah. that we look for, yeah. you know, like price charting, just tiny, just a little bit under. That's that's what we all want. Yeah, so just good for you. And that was shave off the the PayPal fees. And yeah, that you're that's exactly, it. exactly. So it was, it was perfect. Um, so uh, so yeah, those were all the hockey games I got, and then uh, Rich was nice enough um, because I I was hosting. I was going to be hosting Rich at my house, and also um, since Retro World covered the hotel for us helping out for uh, for the time that we did, um, but Rich uh, still uh, felt obliged to uh, uh, grab a little gift for me, which was very nice of him. He got me a game that I wasn't aware of that I posted on Twitter. Um, it's a Famicom hockey game. Uh, that I believe is actually called Stick Hunter, but due to the graphic design mishap of the you know early 90s or late <laughs> 80s, early 90s, it looks like Tick Shunter or Stick Shunter because the S is like shared between the two. And at first, I was really hoping this was like some sort of like not even a hockey game, just like a game where like there's like a, a Jason type you know like hockey stick wielding you know murderer. Uh, I looked up footage of it, and unfortunately, it's just a hockey game. <laughs> <laughs> Looks just like Blades of Steel. Um, but what's interesting, there's penalties in this game, which Blades of Steel does not have. Um, but that was awesome, Rich. Uh, I did not even know this thing existed. And uh, uh, Adam, uh, in an equally uh, uh, nice uh, gesture, um, we were talking a lot, uh, and we were, you know, like we do, we quote lots of movies, and I probably quoted American Psycho, you know more than usual which is which is usually a lot so he grabbed me an american psycho um it's like a canvas piece of art with patrick bateman like with just like yelling that like that like scream that he does and it's got like blood splatter all over it um and it's this it was this artist called black hoodie uh art and uh it was really really good stuff and he actually had like a lot of action figures that he would just add blood splatter to so that was like kind of kind of his theme um, so it was very nice of uh, uh, Rich and uh, Adam to uh, to grab those pieces for me. And uh, a couple of the other really cool things I was able to grab. I showed you guys uh, through the uh, through the uh, uh, the camera earlier, but this artist had uh, just a whole bunch of gaming themed stickers. And I've got that George Costanza pose where he's kind of looking at the Yankees, kind of giving them a look like, oh, yeah, like you won the World Series, but, you know, like in five games or six games. And they've like photoshopped in a Minecraft uh, diamond sword. It's just hilarious, and I, <laughs> I can't stop laughing when I look at it. So that's going right on the laptop. And uh, uh, I have not told you guys about this yet. I was what we we're. It was the last day of the show, Sunday. We're walking through. We're kind of talking to all the artists, like seeing how everyone's doing. And I know a lot of them from working at the show, and everyone's really nice, really cool. And we get to this booth, and they just kind of have a whole bunch of crafty stuff, like you know, crocheted stuff, knitted stuff, you know, hand drawn stuff. But there's like one item like on the side of their booth and I see it on the side 
it's the the think geek mass effect omni tool oh yeah like the full size like and it says like you know like cosplay weapon or, or whatever like you could like you could put it on your on your on your arm and i saw it and i was like oh adam they got the they got the omni tool and the woman who ran the booth she heard me say that and she was like are you a cosplayer and i was like no i'm not you know i, I never have before like I, it's, I don't know if i could pull it off and or whatever and uh and she was like she was like do you want this and i was like well, I mean, I I love mass. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, I I don't know how much it is. Like, I I was kind of probably stumbling uh, around that, and she just picked up the box and handed it to me and says, "Here, take it." And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And first, she was like, "I've been trying to give this away like all weekend," and I was like, "I don't believe you because the first person you would have tried to give this to like yeah, would have taken it's it." Cool. And she was like, and so she was from Delaware, and she was like, "Yeah, my friend who like owns like a uh, like a comic shop or something. I think it was a comic shop." She was like, "They had this." She was like, "Oh, like she was like, give this to a cosplayer, like give this to like someone who like you know would really would." Re-. And I was like, I really didn't know what to say, and I was like, "Listen." I told her my story about my Mass Effect hoodie <laughs> that I ordered that I thought was going to take a year, and then it just showed up. And I was like, I was like, they, they, and they were really happy that they found someone who really liked Mass Effect. So it was so cool. And then I, so I got it home and I showed the kids, and I was about to take it out of the package, and then the kids were like, "Oh, can I put it on? You know, can I do this?" And I was like, "You know what? We're actually not going to take this out of the box. <laughs> this is going to stay in here." Cause it's like, it's like, oh, cause it's clear. Right. Yeah. So it's like, it's going to show like every scratch or whatever on it. It's like, you know what? That's just going to sit up on that shelf. So it's still That's in the just box. just for when daddy was, needs to was... do his biotics kids. <laughs> exactly. If we have, if uh, Samara ever returns, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll need some defense. So, uh, but yeah, so that was so, and, and there was just a bunch of cool things. They had a wrestling ring there and like a local wrestling circuit, like put on a, uh, like two, three shows a day. Which isn't something that like I would have thought would be a good fit, but like it totally was, like because everyone's kind of like reliving their childhood Saturday mornings and stuff, and like now someone's getting body slammed, you know, like over in the corner. It was super cool. I'm telling you, wrestling Twitter and video game Twitter—they're <laughs> almost the same. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah that too. like there's yeah. a lot of crossover. Yeah. And I didn't realize, and like uh, I, I don't know who reached out to whom, but uh, they, you know, when we're there on Friday, like they're setting up a wrestling ring. Like they're setting up a wrestling ring. Yeah, they're gonna be doing wrestling shows, and it, it worked. And uh, speaking of wrestling, I did not know until like we got like I hadn't I looked at the guest lists, but I guess I didn't get this far into it. Uh, Tatanka was there. Oh yeah, I remember. Him. Yeah, so I remember him because that was about the time that I was into wrestling. Is like still kind of like late. Like, you know, like, Ho- like Clash of Mega Powers, like, you know, late, uh, you know, kind of Hulk, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, um, Legion of Doom, l- kind of leading into the next generation of, like, you know, like Lex Luthor and Yokozuna, Doink, Razor Ramon. <laughs> like, that was kind of, like, right around the time that I was into it. So when Tatanka, I was like, dude, if Tatanka's not signing copies of, like, you know, like, SNES Sign uh, WrestleMania. Sign my shunter, or- please. Exactly, right? <laughs> So that that was really cool um, uh, to get to see him, and uh, it, was, it was just a great weekend. Um, so getting to see Chris and Lance again, and just kind of like be a part of it, but also kind of be separate from it was uh, was a really great experience, and and one that I hope to have again. And this is also the first year they've had the show that they have the dates for next year, like at this show. Um, so it's a little bit uh, earlier than they've ever done it before. It's going to be in late August, 
uh, next year. So we'll see what the world is like uh, once we uh, you know get around to next August. Um, so after we left uh, Retro World, um, Adam was staying uh, overnight and he was flying back to uh, uh, back, flying back home the next day. I took uh, Rich home with me uh, back to uh, it was about 45 minutes uh, to my house uh, on Sunday night, and we stopped at the liquor store. Uh, I grabbed some beer and I grabbed some wine for my wife as a like you know hey great job you know with the kids all week. <laughs> And uh, Rich was like, oh, no, 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 I got that. So Rich uh, got some wine uh, for my wife, some beer for myself and himself, uh, which was great. Um, my wife really appreciated that. And uh, my mom actually told him that, too. She was like, I thought it was so sweet that you brought wine home for, for Sarah. That was great. So, um, so yeah, Rich, uh, we got to hang out, um, play a little PlayStation 5. What? <laughs> There's a PlayStation 5 at my house. Did I not mention that on the show yet? So, real, real quick story about the PlayStation Five. I know I'm, I'm, I'm going long. Um, That's all right. We, my, we never uh, talk very much about Mass Effect. It'll be a short show after this. Yeah, ex- exactly. This, this is the well. Until spoiler alert. Until that five teaser <laughs> adds some more info to the, uh, to the, to the pot. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So my, my, I've mentioned on the on the show before. My good friends, uh, Kaylee and Courtney. Um, I was in their wedding. We go to PAX every year. They're awesome. They live a little bit further away, so I don't get to see them as much as I'd like. But you know, what are you gonna do? So Courtney pings me out of the blue, and she's like, "Hey, are you still looking for a PS5?" I was like, "Yeah, I haven't been able to grab one yet." And she was like, "Well, we were just able to, you know, get one out of you know, kind of pure luck at the the latest drop from uh, Best Buy." Um, if you want, like, we'll give it to you for what we paid for it. So basically I just got to use someone else's good luck and just kind of get one for retail. So I was like, I was, I was like, I don't know. I was like very much like when Mass Effect, I was like, I don't know what to say. Like, this is just so cool. Like, cause it's been so frustrating and I've been following people and trying things and I got the Xbox, but the PlayStation. So it was just so cool to have that uh, come through. So I, I, uh, similar to what Rich did, uh, over here for us. I gave my good friend Courtney some beers and uh, took her out to lunch uh, and uh, got my PS5. So um, I've started uh, playing Astro's Playroom, which is the only uh, game that uh, I own for it uh, besides the, um, what do you call it, the um, the PSN, like the monthly games and the PSN collection. And Astro's Playroom, I told you guys this on the Discord, for a person who I wouldn't consider myself like a, like nostalgic for the Sony you know, name or the PlayStation platform. I've always considered myself nostalgic for like things on PlayStation, like Final Fantasy VII, or you know, games that like I like I have a history with, you know, back in that time. But like when I started playing Astro's Playroom and I started exploring inside that system, and whenever anything happens that like looks like an old PlayStation One thing or something like that, and I'm like, oh, it's a PS One controller <laughs> port. Or like, or when you find a new artifact and then you like kind of turn it around and zoom it in and it's like, Ooh, they nailed the texture on the multi-tap, <laughs> you know, like all the tiny detail. Or then like when you roll up into a ball and you're like, Ooh, that's the sound that the open button makes. And like, Ooh, it's actually an open button. Like, it's like, I was not <laughs> expecting to just be like totally blown away by like the nostalgia celebration of the PlayStation uh, in this in this game, and there's other stuff. It's, there's you know there's PlayStation Two and Three, but like the PlayStation One stuff really hit me hard like in this game, um, which which I think I remember you saying, Crab, is that 
I didn't like I didn't expect or like you know I've never really seen someone like celebrate their their history or their like past in a game the way this has and I absolutely would have to agree it's yeah. unbelievable my my daughter wanted to fire it up this week and so we played it a little bit and it's been some a few months since we played it and so now she's just exploring because we've got the whole game unlocked so she can just zip to whatever level she wants and so she's just looking around and like pulling the camera up and finding funny little easter eggs now that i didn't even notice when we played like she's yeah. swimming on the beach level and all the personal flotation devices are umds for the psp yeah. or they're like uh, the surfboards <laughs> are the the big vent on the top of the playstation 3 on the fat model that you could like take off mm. and they're just like surfing around on it and like i didn't didn't even see that stuff and we've put like 20 hours into that game already and there's still things we're finding that are just neat and fun and and what i what i thought the game was what you know kind of people and what it is really is um it's a fun little tech demo it really shows off a lot of the capability of the vibration in the controller um those triggers are something else like so you'll be walking on a surface and it goes from you know like one type of surface to another and it's the combination of the tactile feel of the controller and it's got to be a little bit of the speaker in the controller as well where you hear like the tink 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 of metal versus you know thud 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 on wood but that combination of the sound and the vibration really makes a difference but then that first time because like if you hit the trigger like it just feels like a spring-loaded trigger and then when you get to like the the jackpot machine where like you pull like a a ball at the uh, at the playstation labo and whenever you go to pull that trigger and the trigger's fighting you i'm like yo like force feedback over here like what's happening like it was like the first time i held that like microsoft stick at like babbage's and like they had like the lightsaber demo where like the sticks actually fighting you it was like this is going to be the future and then it wasn't but dude those triggers and this is the only place i've experienced it. i don't know like if other games make use of it but yeah man is it exciting for uh uh for just getting started uh, with the platform and the controller it's 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 and also i've complained for, not complain well yeah complain for a <laughs> long time about the playstation uh the sony uh controllers with the uh the sticks being um uh convex so it really seems like they're making baby steps but they really want to do it in a slow enough way where they're like oh no see like we're also right so like finally like the sticks have like a protruding like rigid (laughs) surface on the edge but they also have like a little domed surface on the inside like just to be like oh see like you know we've we've done both DualShock 4 has had that too the the one one, two and three were what you hate yeah they have the okay the awful sticks yeah before i proved them yeah i'd have to look at the full because i remember having just really not a good experience with the dualshock 4 when i was playing uh it was either spider-man or maybe an uncharted game but like I, i felt like it was balanced like forward in my hand where like it was constantly just like felt like it was like going a weird way and the triggers didn't feel like there was enough like scoop for my fingers for my like uh, index fingers to grab them. Uh, the five, the uh, dual sense feels awesome. Um, I I don't have any complaints with it. And also, and like a lot of controllers, like um, especially like the the game, sorry, uh, the Switch Pro controller, where when I reach up for any of the face buttons and I always hit the wrong button, that hasn't really been happening so far on the sense. Like I feel like that those like left and right kind of like face thumb buttons are like right where i would want them to be just with my brain knowing that like there's like a big touchpad in the middle there so yeah i'm i'm looking forward um i got the um uh the what do you call it the 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 psn plus uh the one year uh discounted card for the uh well mainly you know to get those monthly games but also for access to the collection 
I'm not sure what I'm going to play first. The Last Guardian's kind of been on the list for a while, oh, but yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to overwhelm myself with, uh, with too much too soon. And Detroit. Um, is another big one that's been on my list for a while, so I will I will make it through right. those. Either one of those, if you jump into them, like keep me posted. I would love to talk to you about both of those games. For sure, for sure. So uh, so a little sidetrack there. So getting back to uh, Rich being at my house, and there's a PlayStation Five there. It's life is good. <laughs> so so get back to my house. We play some PlayStation. Um, I did not force my pc gaming ultra wide screen superiority onto him i figured ah let me give him a break we'll just like let him enjoy the time here and, and not be preached to uh but he did get to uh uh you know spend some time in the same room as the computer so hopefully that rubs off a little bit and he'll just become a uh, a master race person showed him that, that x-men ultra wide mod I know, right? That was awesome. On on uh, I was trying to find like uh, a gif of like the exact scene I wanted from the movie, but couldn't find it. So I had to settle for just quoting it and just giving a Magneto image. But yeah, for for those not knowing, um, uh, Kelsey uh, uh, mentioned me in a tweet where someone has an ultra wide, and they were running um, the arcade emulator with like both screens of an X Men six player cab like running on an ultra wide. It's like finally <laughs> we got a reason to own one of these things. <laughs> So good stuff. So so after we kind of you know got settled and played some games and like you know sent the kids off to school on Monday, um, I wanted to take Rich to um, some of uh, my my favorite spots and spots that I thought he would really like. We had to split the trip up between Monday and Tuesday because a couple of places were closed Monday. Um, but in a nutshell, I took him to um, uh, one of the places where the 1994 uh, cinematic classic Sleepers was filmed. <laughs> Uh, which is not far from my house. Uh, uh, no pictures, please. Um, and uh, uh, after that, I took him to... Uh, we were actually kind of passing by where my sister lives, so we stopped by there. Uh, Rich got to uh, 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 say hello to my parents, who's he, whom uh, he's met before, and my sister and my niece. We I took him to my favorite pizza place that I don't get to go to a lot, which is Colony in Milford. Uh, fun little hockey video game trivia fact for this one. Uh a colony is owned uh, by Chris Drury, who is a former captain of the New York Rangers. He's the current general manager of the New York Rangers, and he's on the cover of the last video game to ever be released for the Dreamcast uh, back, you know, when it was official. Like, I don't know about any of these kind of like later uh, releases or anything, but NHL 2K2. Uh, the last game released at retail for the Dreamcast, Drury is on the cover. Uh, so that was awesome. Uh, we then went to Retro Games Plus in Orange, uh, which is one of Chris's stores. Even though we had just spent a weekend hunting for games, we're like, ah, let's go see you know, if there's anything else that they didn't bring. And uh, Chris actually has the, uh, the Death Star 2 Lego set. Very rare uh, retired uh, Lego set like on display up in the store. And I asked uh, Russ uh, Metis there. And I was like, dude, is he selling that? Is he no? Like, he got traded in a while ago, and it's just there for display. I was like, that's that set's probably worth like two grand. So I, I texted Chris, and I was like, hey, just if you're ever getting rid of that, just remember my birthday's in December. <laughs> so uh, I don't think it's gonna happen though. So um, we had to cut the day short there. Um, I had a couple other ideas, but they were like another like hour north, and we were kind of you know kind of still beat from the weekend. So we we called it a day, and we we headed back home. We watched one of my favorite uh, films, Nightcrawler, with Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Um, I, like I think I've one. mentioned it before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if the you haven't seen it, um, it's really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Well, because that's how it came up. Like we were talking about, 
uh, we were kind of flipping through some of my movies, and uh, uh, I think Predator 2. We flipped by Predator 2, and like uh, uh, Rich was like, oh, it's one of the best Paxton rolls. And I was like, speaking of great Paxton rolls, and I flipped it to Nightcrawler, and he's like, I haven't seen this. And it's one of those things that when someone says they haven't seen Nightcrawler around me, like in my house when it's available, I was like, well, guess what we're watching right now? So we watched Nightcrawler. So um, my, yeah, if you my dad seen it, watched very, that very good. out of nowhere. Like I didn't recommend it to him. Uh, and mm. he hates that movie so much. It's so yeah. funny how mad that movie makes him. <laughs> I, I love that. It, it's one of these movies that I started on a whim, figuring, oh, I'll watch this for five, ten minutes. And then it was like two in the morning, like, that was awesome. So I've made so many people watch it. And I'm sorry if you watched it on my recommendation and didn't like it. But if you did, you're wrong because it's amazing. Um, so, uh, I also, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? I, uh, uh, bu- 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 oh yeah. So Rich was over. So we watched Nightcrawler and, uh, I had never realized before, but like really early in the movie, like Rich kind of like looks over and he's like, man, like this performance is like super inspired by Patrick Bateman. And then, and now I'm looking at it through a Patrick Bateman lens, and I'm like, you know what? Like, maybe I didn't see it before because, you know, like, it's 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 just a psycho, right? Like, that's the type of person it, it is. But like now, I'm like, yeah, like now now I'm like watching it with that, in, like listening to his cadence and kind of how he like is very like deliberate and and he has this line at the end of the movie where because someone tells him he's like like Lou like you just don't understand people, and he's like what if my problem isn't that I don't understand people, but that I don't like them? And that got me thinking about everything he said to people before that point in this movie is like, he's just saying what he thinks he has to say. Right. So now that I put it in that perspective with Bateman, Bateman's only, he's always wearing a mask, right? He's only ever telling people what he thinks he needs to say or what he has to say to kind of get the result he wants. So it was really interesting observation for Rich to say that. Now I kind of like look at that, uh, look at that performance through that lens. Um, but yeah, so I ended up uh, taking uh, Rich one more place on Tuesday that I really wanted to take him, which is in Bridgeport. It's called the Archive. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Vinegar Syndrome. Um, I was not. Uh, they're a place that puts out some funky, weird horror movie uh, stuff. Oh yeah, um, they're like the actual like. Exact yeah, so so uh, the archive is Vinegar Syndrome's experimental uh, retail store that's been open for like maybe like five six years something like that, and I'm telling you like you walk in and it's just like 70s through 90s like horror like everywhere like pr- like uh, you know kind of like weird stuff you would have found in stores like you know like Freddy Krueger trading cards you know like they had RoboCop two trading cards <laughs> like big Elvira standees used records but also they have a lot of like i didn't even realize how uh how deep the niche goes with this kind of like modern horror stuff uh like arrow video magnet video like all these like companies that just put out like really really good high quality like horror uh content whether it's like remakes of old stuff or like you know like re-releases remasters um so uh we spent a good amount of time in there just rich kind of poking through um he ended up grabbing a couple dvds because he was there for a little bit and then he was like, all right, I got to take my list out. Cause he's got a big, huge, you know, like horror DVD collection. So I was, I was really glad I got to take him there. Uh, and then we just grabbed a bite. I dropped him off at the airport. So it was a super awesome weekend. I was very glad to see him. Um, and, uh, and yeah, just some, some great pickups some some great food. 
um, yeah, it just overall was awesome. I, I can't wait to, to see everyone if we can make it all happen again uh, next year. Um, as far as I've already mentioned some movies, um, as far as uh, TV, we are one episode away on um, Only Murders in the Building, um, which I can't remember if I've mentioned on the show before. I don't think I have. Is that the Steve Martin uh, this is a one? Show. Yep. Yeah, so this is a show on Hulu. Um, it's Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, and basically they're like true crime podcast enthusiasts. A murder, uh, sorry, someone is uh, someone dies in the building they all live in, and they decide that they're going to make like a true crime podcast about you know this potential murder. Uh, this is recommended to us by a neighbor. Uh, it's really, really, really good. We're one episode away from the end. A lot of twists and turns. Um, Nathan Lane's in it as well. Uh, just really, really well done. I'm very happy with it. And uh, all I've been playing the last couple days since it came out on the 9th is Forza Horizon 5. Or as my kids call it, Forza Horizon 5. Uh, so uh, it is, it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, I mean, I really fell in love with the series at 3. Um, four was uh, fantastic. Three's got a special place because it was the first one I really got into. I love the Australian outback setting. Four pushed it into uh, like Britain and the UK, which like I wasn't sure how well that would work as far as the variety of the uh, uh, the atmospheres and the biomes, but they did a really good job with it. Uh, five is Mexico, and oh man, it's awesome. Um, I'm still fairly early in because it kind of takes a while to get going on like some of the different cars and some of the different areas you can get, but. Man, on on uh, I've played it both on the uh, on the series uh, X uh, upstairs. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, on the series X upstairs on the main 4K TV as well as the uh, uh, the PC on the ultra wide. Um, my GTX 1080 is showing its age a little bit, but I can still get 60 frames uh, out of this game uh, uh, in ultra wide mode, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, it's just it's so 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 good. It's like the best blend of that arcade burnout style mixed with like the simulation of a Forza slash Gran Turismo game because everything in the game, it's, it's just, you can choose like what you want to do. So you just draw, like if you just want to do dirt racing, you go dirt racing. And then when you start dirt racing, it's like, all right, you don't have to do like what their rules are. It's like, well, here's what, here's what we were going to say, but if you just want to switch it and just like have it be all civics, you know, or pickup trucks, like, yeah, do whatever you want. So like, there's never a time where they're making you do something that you don't want to do. Like you have the option to kind of uh, switch it up, but it's just so, and it's, it's the classic, like the, the, the test of how much I'm, I'm digging a game is like, am I thinking about it while I'm not playing it? And it's one of those games that like, I find it hard to stop playing because it's like, all right, just just one more race. Oh, well, just one more discovered road. Oh, well, there's a billboard. Let me just get one more billboard. And then when I put it down, I'm like, when am I going to have like you know 20 minutes to like pop downstairs and play again? So it's just nice to have that feeling uh, about a game again. It's 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 been a little bit for a new game. So uh, I'm going to have to find that conversion deal to renew the Game Pass uh, because apparently there's like some secret way that if you connect to a vpn in turkey you can like get three years of xbox live gold for like 30 bucks a year and then it's 15 bucks to convert it all to xbox uh, game pass so for about 100 bucks i can get three years of game pass ultimate i am all for that and i guess that'll about do it for me so yeah sorry if i that was a lot to go through but uh it was a a big busy week that sounds like an amazing weekend just a whole week, yeah. Yeah. A whole week sounds good. Yeah. 
it was it was it was, a, it was a lot and i'm sure sarah's glad to have me back and helping out with housework today my, my mom asked me she's like oh what are you doing this weekend and i was like i am doing whatever sarah asked me to do <laughs> but, was gone but you're doing it while wearing my new omni tool exactly yeah anything i can do with one hand <laughs> and then another hand just programming and hacking turrets and consoles so but yeah, so that'll just about do it for uh, for getting everyone caught up. So now on to our main topic of Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, so yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, what we thought was going to be the last Mass Effect game, but there's been a tease recently right around uh, N7 Day that maybe we'll talk about in a little bit that uh, potential more Mass Effect content coming, but... Mm-hmm. Until we know that for sure, we're, we're sticking with Andromeda as our final game in this uh, little playthrough series that we did. Um, so I just thought we'd uh, uh, give everyone a quick uh, synopsis of what Andromeda is about. So the game is set within the Andromeda galaxy during the 29th century, whereas the original Mass Effect game was set in the Milky Way galaxy. So uh, humanity is planning to populate new homeworlds as part of a strategy called the Andromeda Initiative. The player assumes the role of either Scott or Sarah Ryder, an uh, inexperienced military recruit who joins the initiative and wakes up in Andromeda following its 634-year sleeper ship journey. Oh, this sounds like it's no way this could go funky <laughs> or sideways or anything. Um, so events transpire that result in Ryder becoming humanity's pathfinder who is tasked with finding a new homeworld for humanity while also dealing with an antagonistic alien species known as the Ket and uncovering the secrets of a mysterious synthetic intelligence species known as the Remnant. Uh, so it's an interesting, if not or- totally original, sci-fi story. There's there's lots of as I'm like reading this there's like <laughs> ooh there's like elements of Interstellar and there's elements uh, you know there's elements of lots of things that have been done before but uh, uh, it's it you know they they went for it and it hopefully it was a fun ride um, so uh, this is normally where we talk a little bit about our history with the series uh, lol we've all played uh, the Mass <laughs> Effect trilogy uh, we played it together um, so why don't we jump into the platform we played on um, I played the Legendary uh, Edition. Uh, uh, of the original trilogy on PC, I played Mass Effect Andromeda via Game Pass on the Xbox Series S and X. So how about you guys? Chris, where were you playing? Series X. Yep, same thing. Series X. And Crabbo? I played the PS4 version, but on my PS5. Cool. Very good. So um, uh, before we leave the platform, uh, did anyone have any, you know, because this this game infamously uh, had a rocky launch uh, and, uh, you know, had many patches and hot fixes and crazy weird, you know, things that were mostly fixed. Did anyone have any performance, uh, you know, weird crashing, weird, uh, you know, kind of glitches and issues even this long after the game's uh, been released? Uh, Chris, uh, you're seem to be responding in the affirmative <laughs> yeah this thing is still kind of a buggy mess to be honest it's i'd have places where it would just never finish loading um and i'd have to hard quit the game i had times where uh, you know your character would just t-pose and things wouldn't work right i mean 
that's real fun when you're stuck in a T pose and you can yeah. shoot and stuff, but your character's stuck in a T pose, so you can't take cover anymore. You can't. Mm. It's just yeah. Um, I could go on. I don't need to. It's <laughs> it's still a buggy kind of mess, but I mean, gotcha. It's it functions. Right. Uh, I'm especially curious about Kelsey's experience because I assume the console is offline and you were playing a completely unpatched version? Yeah, and I don't think mine was as bad as Chris's from the sounds of it. Uh, wow. I did run into a few things, but like I could go 10 hours with no real issues mm. at times. Uh, the only T-pose I got was in a cutscene when we had all the Pathfinders and the Asari Pathfinder was T-posing, but like giving me a deadly serious <laughs> speech, so it was really funny. <laughs> and then uh, my favorite one, though, was... I don't know if you did this bill because it was kind of an optional thing, but you know Gil, like your your uh, tech guy in the ship that, that does all the mechanic work. So if you follow him through, he he has a friend that he wants you to meet, uh, and she her whole thing is she's a uh, fertilization expert, so she's going to help us populate uh, these planets once we get on the gold planets. And so she lands in the ship. And we're standing like a good 50 yards away from her. And she just walks over to me like she took a dump in her pants because <laughs> the animation was wrong. I don't know if it like loaded in an Angara body or something with the weird legs. But she just cowboy like John Wayne herself over to me. It was so weird. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that, is, that is not something I came across. Uh, so... I, to, to be honest, I can't remember any specific instance where there was like a wrong, uh, you know, like animation or like any T poses or anything. Uh, the, uh, since I was playing on between the series S and the X, depending on like, you know, where I was, um, there were times when I would like go to resume the game and like the game wouldn't resume properly. And, uh, you know, I had to like, you know, kill the game and like load it back up again. Um, there were times when I would like turn the game off, um, and then go to play it on the other system. And typically like the cloud sync is just like, it's automatic, right? So I would go to play it on the other system and it was like the other console hasn't synced the save file yet. So like you can either play offline or like go sync it from the other console. And that's not something I've ever seen before because everything just always just happens, you know, automatically. So I would then have to go to the other system load the game up, like manually say, okay, like sync to the cloud now, please. And then wait for that to happen. But uh, yeah, besides like a few things like that. Yeah. Nothing like game breaking, um, you know, that I ran into. So I had, uh, I had a lot of texture so, yeah. pop when I was just driving around yes. in the uh, vehicle, but uh, mm. it honestly looked kind of cool in some of the settings, mm. <laughs> like uh, the mm. uh, desert planet, like you just see plants like sprouting up around you. It's like, Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Like, that's like, I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's cool yeah no i, I definitely uh, uh and i wasn't sure if that was cause I, I can't remember if it said it was optimized uh no, for the series no. when i played it okay yeah because i because i think i i think at some point i thought like okay well they've probably patched most of the enormous things in but then like if it's not optimized that's why i'd be seeing so much pop i don't think it even got an update for the one x let alone series hmm oh. And that's it's just, I guess, just a tiny bit surprising given the fact that it's available on Game Pass that someone would have said, hey, now that we're, you know, adding this to a, you know, EA, service where... EA yeah. is not inserting one more dime into that coffin. <laughs> <laughs> that's not happening. 
Not to this particular one. No. Yeah. So may- maybe a different Mass Effect uh, flavor, but uh, not this one here. Um, okay. So uh, I thought we should just uh, jump into uh, the intro mission. Um, I'll tell a little funny story when I first started playing and I jumped into the, our Discord on it. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm ready. Uh, I started playing the game and I was like, man, this guy is really trying to sound like Clancy Brown. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. It is Clancy Brown. <laughs> so he plays. Uh, was it was his name Alec? Yes. Alec Ryder yeah. uh, was the father of uh, Sarah and um, Gregory or whatever his name is. Um, Scott Ryder is and Scott? Uh, Scott Ryder. Does that sound right? Sounds like a wrestler. Yes, it is. So, Scott. So so um, uh, so Clancy or you know, rather Alec, um, his he. he he's kind of got this, you know, this gruff exterior, like he feels like he's one in charge, like he's got experience. And in this intro mission, uh, is it right in the intro mission or is it like shortly after that? Do they get planet side? I can't remember exactly how Alec, yeah, yeah. how we lose Alec. Yeah. They go to planet. They, they go down the first golden world. That's right. They, we, we do drop down. I, I thought we did. So, um, uh, so we drop down a uh, planet side. So, so again, what humanity is doing with the Andromeda Initiative is all these like big arcs have uh, left Earth and they've gone on this 600 plus year voyage, and there are several kind of candidates that we've scouted out as as we call them golden worlds, uh, and we're trying to find one to uh, you know to uh, to populate so we can you know move uh, move humanity to this uh, this new place. So we get there and. You know, the first uh, place that we uh, uh, touched down on, uh, I don't know how we thought it was a golden world. I mean, I guess it was really far away, so it was hard to tell, but it's, like, toxic and... Well, uh, well, they said, they said, like, when we, they viewed it, like, then they were, but this remnant and this other stuff had happened in the interim on, during the voyage. That's, that's right. right. and all this stuff. Scourge, yeah, I was trying to remember the name of it, it's, uh... The Scourge is, so before you kind of touch down, there are some really, really pretty views of the Scourge where it's just like this like big massive kind of like, uh, you don't know what it is, like a dust cloud or like it's like infecting or, because uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's moving. So I, I, at first I wasn't sure if it was organic or like, you know, something that was placed there, like a trap or something. So Don't worry, you'll find out in, in Andromeda too. Oh no. <laughs> they, so, they get into it a bit right at the end of this one a little but you don't really find out like everything about it no not at all. i thought we, we were really close like not to jump super far ahead but like towards the end when i'm like walking like and it's like oh i can't walk right into it like there there's scourge here i was like oop we're gonna find out like it's there here's gonna be a source and it's gonna be a thing but then i remember to something you said on the discord is like you can't think too hard about the story or what's going on or ask too many questions because it'll it'll just fall apart so i guess we'll we'll get to some of that, some of that stuff um but yeah so uh, uh so so chris i am going to be leaning on you a little bit because you are the one who has been through the game the most number of times uh so uh being two uh, yes <laughs> yeah exactly uh, uh twi- two playthroughs so when we drop down uh uh to the planet and uh you know what's going on down there and why is why are things bad um so i have to remember like all of it but there's like uh again like you've run into the scourge and so um there you're going down to the planet 
is it like there's some team that got wrecked or something down there? I don't remember exactly, but you've gone you've, uh, yeah. you've gone down to the planet right to rescue some people or whatever the case is, and like first off, like you've come out of this sleep world because yeah, like some some of the teams have been there for I think 14 months prior to you waking up. And yeah, that was the Nexus people. Yeah. yeah, like the Nexus had gotten there first, and the Arcs are coming after, and you're in the human arc, and. It's just like also, no, we've hit the scourge stuff, you know, like, what is this? And it tears things apart. And anyway, you get out of the planet. It's like, oh, this is our golden world. And uh, yeah, you're basically just it's a tutorial mission. It's there. Learn. Go rescue these dudes. Oh, there's something that's shooting and killing us. And like, what is it? Oh, it's these aliens. And you can try to like at the beginning, like, oh, be nice. Uh, Like the first time you get to interact with them, you can try to be peaceful right or or not and of course they don't care because it's these cat and they're the titular bad guys right so whatever they don't care they'll shoot at you and uh you learn about how this how your scanner works because you gotta scan a lot of crap in this game which man there's nothing about this is fun more than scanning crap right so i like scanning did you really? I, yeah. Uh, there, there's not a lot of games I like scanning in. I remember enjoying it in Metroid Prime. Um, there, there's been a couple times where I'm like, ooh, like new thing, you know, to learn about. But yeah, in this game, it was always I was trying to do something that I wanted to do, and it's like now I have to stop and scan things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, now, now that you say it, I remember like uh, because on this mission there's a handful there's like five or six like optional things and it's like you know find these survivors or like you know locate this guy's chest or you know so it really is like an exploration you 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 uh you kind of get your jump which is not something you really had uh very much in massive in the mass effect trilogy uh uh, you know before this one uh which kind of leads me to a little bit of the combat in this game um there's a little bit more um verticality as well as like the side to side movement like once you're like up in the air like you have kind of these like strafe uh like jumps that you can do shooting from the air there's some interesting things that happened uh within the combat uh that we'll get into but yeah that was like part of this mission was like kind of just running into random kind of groups of enemies and figuring out okay like this is how i do cover this is how i you know can kind of figure this thing out uh kind of stuff like that yeah and the combat's really if you ask me, really well done. It's very fluid and fast, and you can move around. You have a lot of mobility. But like I said, just that scanning thing. Like every time you got to do it, like you can, you're moving like uh, like normal, like that kind of movie. You're all over the place. It's fast. Scanning is let me walk at the slowest speed possible and move yeah. this thing around the screen really slow. And and if you have powers that are active and you have to switch to scanning, it like shuts the powers down. And then when you switch back to combat mode, you have to like activate them again. And it's like, yes, right. this is just a drag. And, and, and the times when you have to do the scanning is like when you get to some of those, um, you know, I forget what the structures are called, where you have to like find all the, the runes the nearby. The so then, yeah, so then you can like, you know, have all the, the shapes to like do your Sudoku puzzle. Um, so, uh, but I was like, okay, well, now I gotta, you know, but then sometimes you bring up the scanner. But it's like, oh, there's still combat, and yeah, like it was just weird going back and forth between them. Um, so, and uh, but yeah, then you eventually like again these cat bad guys. We don't really know anything about them yet. But your dad just goes like all Rambo about you know these 
aliens and you have to follow him through this like base thing and then disaster strikes right yep bob disaster shows up and kills your dad (laughs) yeah so i mean like your dad's like do you know mowing through all these guys and uh but little short version is um you get thrown and your helmet gets damaged and you you're losing atmosphere and you're gonna die and dad does the dad thing where it's like don't fight me you're gonna make it through this i'm proud of you <laughs> you know here take my helmet you know yep. uh and croaks and you survive yep and you become the nissan pathfinder <laughs> pretty much so and uh, some people so, are, so, are okay with you most of them are like huh what yeah a lot of people are like what because and a lot of times like then they said it in the intro like that you're like an inexperienced uh, military guy most of the beginning of the game you're like uh like tell me again like what what do i do or like <laughs> how do i do that? like you really are like like feeling your way through the process um i played as as boy rider i don't know if uh if you guys played as a uh, uh, boy rider or sarah rider uh, or if it makes a difference, but one of the things you can do, like once you kind of become a pathfinder, and it's like, all right, like we gotta, you know, I'm the pathfinder now. We gotta figure stuff out. You end up back on the ship, and one of the optional things is to go check on your sibling. Um, I never did that. What? Like I thought I'd have a chance to do it. I'm like, okay, like next time I walk through that area, and I guess I never did. And later on, when like you interact with him for the first time, she's like the hell you couldn't come and see me he's like oh sorry like i forgot <laughs> yeah there's so like that a lot cool of things that, that kind of happen in there yeah i didn't go see her <laughs> i figured well because i think what happened was like when i first walked away they were like oh yeah like she's like she's not awake yet that maybe that was it so, oh she's not awake yet like we'll let you know when she is and then like a while later they were like oh she's awake if you want to talk to her and i'm like oh, okay cool like i'll get to that and i just never did um, but yeah, so you become uh, the Pathfinder, and that gets us to um, uh, uh, that's after Planet Side. So we're looking for the rest of the uh, the team. So that one of the next priority ops is the Nexus reunion. So this is when we make it back to the Nexus, and like Chris said, the Nexus is kind of like this like central hub that kind of like showed up in the Andromeda system before all the Arcs did, and it's supposed to be kind of like the base of operations and the because uh, it was the the human arc, the Salarian arc, and then what was the other? There was the Asari. Was it a Turian? A Asari, and there was a Turian, and Turian, and there was and a Quarian Quarian one's arc. on its way for nine ninety nine. <laughs> you, ain't ne- really? you ain't never getting it. Uh, yeah, because like that one was supposed to have like quarians, drill, and our all this stuff. And, oh, yeah. oh, yep. That's, that's wrong. all the species you actually want didn't make it. Right, which doesn't right. make any sense to me because like okay, so like the human arc is just all humans, and the Turian arc is all Turians, but the quarians you just have to bring everybody else. But like yeah. somehow there was like. Wasn't there like like one or two Batarians that were there? I didn't that somebody see had brought along Batarians. or something. Were they on uh, think, like Kandar? I didn't. I didn't notice any. I can't. Maybe I'm maybe I'm mixing up with the other ones, but I want to say there was like one or two Batarians somewhere that was like, oh, I I got here because of whatever. Like they, you know, like just somebody had brought Forcha them along. walking around. 
There was no fortune. <laughs> well, I think there was like a couple ah, Batarians. I'm thinking like, they how would that worse. even work? You can't even have enough people to repopulate. Um, mm. But anyway, I mean, it's the future. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, yeah. You solve the, the inbreeding problem in the future. <laughs> Right, you get to the Nexus, like, okay, finally, thank God we're going to get to the Nexus and see what's going on. But, like, uh, it's like, uh, hello? Yeah. Hello? Is anybody here? Yeah. And there's, like, a janitor. I, I think, don't don't you have to, like, turn the power on? Yeah, because, like, a janitor like, when here, you get like, there, oh, hey, like, guys. Yeah, oh, like, cool, someone else is here. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's looking worse and worse uh, for the Andromeda Initiative. Um, so, uh, and I think, like, when they get there, everybody's, like, excited and then all of a sudden they're like yeah like it really doesn't seem like anyone's here like what's actually going on um so uh uh and is this when we meet um uh the director of the initiative is this during this op or is that a little bit later this is when you find out that the original director of the initiative is uh kaput right Mm. and uh and you get to meet uh tan who is the yeah it, like the number five guy in line. I think he was like out. seventh in yeah. line. Yeah, right. Uh, because like everybody else has died or gone or whatever, right? Yeah. So. I got. I got to tell you, Tan is one of my favorite characters in this game, <laughs> and he's not likable, but he's really, really funny. Like I like him. Like, I, and I, I could understand this character existing like a hundred percent. He's got the right voice. Um, he's voiced by um. Uh, how do you say his name? Uh, Camille Nanjiani. Nanjiani, yeah. Yep. Uh, so it took I, and me I, a bit because the they like up the frequency or the speed or something, I, and I'm like, I know this. Exactly. Who is this? It took me like an hour. Like, same thing. Like they 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 solarianed the voice a little bit. They like modulated just enough, but like he's got that like slight lisp, and like you, I, I just I I was like that has to be him. Like it's got to be. So and I looked it up and I was like, yep, nailed it. So he's such a great character, and it is like exactly that type of personality where like he's not the first one. Um, I actually have one of my favorite quotes from him in here. Uh, so uh, in my little uh, notable characters, Director Tan. Um, so when like Ryder asks him like how things are, you know, how are things going, and he says publicly, I would say we're more than up for the challenge. Privately, I can tell you it's been a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just very like. There's that like bureaucracy of it where it's like, no, like it has to be like this and it can't be like it's got to go through like the right channels. But at the same time, he wants credit for everything (laughs) good that happens and he wants to avoid blame for everything bad that happens, even if it was his decision. One of my favorite parts about Tan is after you do any sort of priority mission and the uh, Carrie, the Asari reporter wants to interview you, she's always like reminding you, she's like, you can give me the truth, or you can give me what Tan wants me to like put on. The, <laughs> yeah. <you> know, like, <laughs> like ev- and so everyone knows it about him. And there's yeah. there's segments in the game where like he has to like you know give like rousing speeches. And there's there's it's late in the game, but there's like he gets up like on a box and like starts to give this rousing speech. And I don't know if it was maybe this was a bug I ran into. It looks like he's speaking to like four people <laughs> in like this like enormous courtyard. And there's no one there. <laughs> and then he like no, I think that was pulls Ryder up on the... uh, was, uh, Man, yeah, like, oh, so it's it was tan. like... 
Uh, yeah. Oh, we don't need. Yeah, who cares? But yeah, Tan is Tan's a character uh, for sure. And because yeah, uh, uh, you find out that there was not only like trouble, like, uh, mm-hmm. but there was a mutiny, mm-hmm. um, and like the Krogan and some other people mutinied and left. So things have not gone well on the Nexus, and they basically have very little power and. They were waiting for the Arcs to show up, and you haven't shown up when you were supposed yep. to. So, uh, yeah. Yep. So, at, at this point, there's a handful of different priority ops uh, that you can do. And we should just mention real quick what a priority op is. Um, it's kind of changed a little bit over the course of Mass Effect, but basically, in, in the first game, you had like main story missions that you could do, and then all the kind of the side stuff. And then 2 came up with this idea of priority missions, and once you completed a priority mission, it had the potential to lock out other content and kind of like you know, continue to move the game and the story forward. So the old rule of thumb was do everything possible and then do priority missions. And so that was kind of the, the, the thought that I took into this game was, okay, I will do all the stuff that I want to do and then I'll do priority ops. So that was my thinking for roughly the first quarter of, of this game and and we'll get a little bit past that uh soon but basically at this point in the game one of the the priority ops you have available is called a better beginning and in this one uh basically the nexus needs a resource producing outpost because they have people they need to feed they need air they need to you know like uh, uh get resources um so the only planet in range is uh, eos um, as the only Pathfinder, since the other arcs are kind of, you know, MIA right now, you've been asked to find a way to settle EOS and give the initiative a foothold uh, to to continue. So Director Tan has committed uh, these the resources that you need, you know, from the Nexus and anything you need. Okay, go down to EOS and like make this happen. <clears throat> Pardon me. So this is where I thought we would be introduced to the main gameplay loop land on a planet, explore it, do some side stuff, meet some people, help some people, make some decisions, do some combat, find some secrets, and then, you know, like that's that would be that would be the loop. So early on in the game, like I was actually really excited about this because it does kind of take a little bit to get to this point. I, I couldn't say like how many hours it takes to get here, but like this isn't like 30 or 40 minutes. This is like a little a little ways into the game. So I was kind of getting restless on like, you know, that feeling I always get. Like, when's the game going to let me play it? And then like, this is the first time where it's like, all right, go play the game. So I was really excited at this point. Um, and uh, there's there really is a, a bit to learn about the, the navigation because in a lot of Mass Effect games, you're either like riding around in a vehicle or you're on foot, right? You're, you're rarely popping between both. Like sometimes you are, sometimes you kind of get you know, to a building, you move through it, and then you use a vehicle. But this really, the Andromeda really feels open in a way where if you're, like, you know, riding around in your vehicle and you just want to pop out and do a thing, just summon another vehicle, you know, like to one of those, like, uh, stations or whatever and go around that you can do that. So it kind of felt felt cool in that sense. Um, but it, you know, the more I would kind of, like, pop around uh, and and try to find something meaningful to do, the more it just felt like everything I was doing, it just kind of felt very fillery to me. Like nothing really felt super memorable. Whereas in massive in the the previous games, 
I'd remember these little interactions or little, you know, conversations you have or like, you know, uh, like a barter that you got to make and everything I was doing down here. Uh, and, but thankfully they did have a much better system as far as like tracking all the things that you have where you could get waypoints on things finally. So it, it wasn't like a mystery. Um, but you're, you're basically kind of, you know, going from spot to spot and like, kind of like hitting all these points of interest opening up the map if you find something new kind of you know like talking to that person resolving it but i really just felt like i was just moving from one spot to the next on the map and like what i was doing wasn't really having you know like any any major impact so i don't know if you guys had similar feelings or if you felt uh, you know better or worse uh, once you're kind of planet side so i don't here's the one of the things i mean obviously this had a troubled development and i don't understand why somebody went Okay, um, the the mechanics of Mass Effect One, where we had the tank on the planets and all that stuff, people didn't like that, so we moved away from it for two and three, and everyone loved two and three. Let's go back to the stuff from one. <laughs> I, I'm, I, it's kind of baffling. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just like you're just like we filled remember, up a map with they, a bunch they, of junk to do. They left the milky way before mass effect 3 happened they didn't know how much people liked that <laughs> well at least they had been there with mass effect 2 they could have learned quite a bit uh yeah i guess we should say that right i mean it's gonna come at some point in time but um yeah the Ma- the andromeda initiative leaves the year before um the reapers arrive and so you know to set the context and i mean i don't know we can get to it later we get to the whys but yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, these planets are, here's some crap to do. Um, mm. Some of it is somewhat interesting. A lot of it is just crap to do. And, like, oh, you could drive your tank around. There's some minerals for you to scan. Like, just you got to yeah, be at the so. right place to hit your little button to make yeah. the thing of a bob pop out. And it took me, it took me so long. Like I'm driving, and it was like, oh, you've entered a scanning area, and I'm like, okay. So now I activated the scan on my vehicle, and then like I see the little blibbity bloops. Like I'm, I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't seem like that blibbity bloop is very high. So like I'm not gonna place a thing. And then I would just kind of drive around that circle for a while, and I'm like, I mean, none of these look very high. So I would plant a few, and it's like, all right, here's like, you know, here's a little bit of this mineral, and I'm like, do I? I mean, do I need that? Is that good? Like, I don't know. So like, so you can, yeah, like you can so much of use your science points to upgrade your mining gear on your vehicle, and that's what makes the blips go higher. So you can't do it right away. Like you okay. have to invest points into right. your mining to actually get more out of it. I, I didn't figure that out for mining. a long time either. That's fun <laughs> so, right, so I, your cyber truck is even worse though than the mass effect one because it doesn't have a gun so your cyber truck just kind of sucks and now for some reason it has two-wheel drive and six-wheel drive that you have to shift between because that's fun I don't, too I, I don't get it because i'll be driving and everything's fine and then i'm going up like a 24 <laughs> degree incline <laughs> And it's all of a sudden, it's like, no, 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 no. And then I just hit a button, and I don't appear to go any faster. It's just, oh, all of a sudden, like, the rest of my wheels are working. It's like, well, was I preserving power? Is there a reason for that? No. We just want you to have to switch gears when you go, like, over, like, a 20% incline for, like, really very little reason. Yeah, and now you're, you're space buggy 
uh, can jump a little, which I guess it could before, like the other one, right? Mm. You jump a little. Right. And, I mean, you have, like, a turbo button now, but, like, if you're in six-wheel drive, turbo is really, like, lets you just climb steep inclines. It doesn't really make you go fast. And then when you're in two-wheel drive, you can kind of go a little fast. But that's only going to ever work if it's flat, because, yeah, like you said, if you hit the tiniest hill, suddenly your tires are worthless. Yeah. It's crazy, and it's like honestly, like it really is so much stuff that like didn't matter, and and I didn't realize this at first. I was doing everything because I was like, well, I'm doing everything before the priority op, and then so you get a little bit further, and forgive me if I'm missing some stuff, but like you come ac- like you keep coming across these big kind of like, uh, like monolithic or you know kind of spirey looking you know ancient technology that look like they're a remnant from a uh, uh past uh you know age or, or civilization or something and they they look futuristic they look like high tech and and even some of the enemies that kind of pop up to defend these structures it's like whoa like these are like super robots like like what what's happening here so you you understand at least that it's different than than the cat um who's uh who you're also fighting um and then so eventually you do you meet? Do you meet? Uh, uh, do we meet up with PB before going down just, into like yes. the first gravity before well? Before we get too far ahead here, I just gotta say I love the Mako and the Nomad, and I am so glad it is in this. All the things you said are very silly, but I still love climbing all these environments in it. And like you could go up <laughs> any mountain if you were like really put some effort into figuring out how to get up these grooves and use your boost and jumps at the right time. You could climb anything. <laughs> And when, when I first encountered the gameplay loop, I was a little turned off because it just kind of reminded me of that typical Ubisoft stuff. It's like, here's a map. Here's all the things. Like, go hit the checkpoint. It opens mm. up more of the map. There's more things to do. I don't really love mm. that gameplay loop. But then I just started role-playing the game like I, I tend to do with the, the Mass Effect ones. And I was just like, yeah, we're exploring a new world like there's lots of stupid tedious stuff to do like scanning minerals would legitimately be a thing that we would have to do so i'm like all right i'm gonna scan 16 minerals and make these scientists happy (laughs) and i i just got into it that way and really enjoyed it and i loved not having guns on the ship i didn't want to stop for combat i just wanted to do the exploration stuff so when I'd see a little cat group, it's like, nope, we'll just drive past them, use the boost, <laughs> go find some more uh, rocks, or go place that sensor so they can do radio on this planet. And yeah, I it grew on me the further I went into the game, and and kind of and it made a lot of sense. I felt like with the world that they presented to me. It's just yeah, if you ask me, it's a, it's just clunky though. Like get in the truck, get out of the truck, get in the truck, get out of the truck, get in the truck, get out of the truck. Like and like your robot guys all the time, or the robot I, guy, which we didn't mention the robot guy in your head, right? Yeah. The Pathfinder Sam, Sam. we yeah. didn't mention. Yeah. We probably need to talk about the characters for a minute. So yeah. there's mm. Alec is the dad, dead dad, has two kids. Whichever one you, the boy or the girl, whichever one you are, the other one is like in messed up, basically because yeah. like, they went, were thawing I went with them the out female rider. Yeah, they're I, they're in the back. They're in the back to tank. Yeah. So, uh, outside of that, there is Cora, who was like the second in command under Alec, and Alec didn't choose her to be the next Pathfinder, so she's a little raw about that and to get started. And there's Liam, who, um, like a former security guy, young guy, um, 
you know. And that's who you start with. It's just you, Liam, and Cora. And yeah, like you said, you do meet PB. She's the first extra character that you meet because that's how you learn. Because she calls them the Remnant. And then magically everyone yeah. else in the whole universe calls them Remnant. And you're like, wait, how did that happen? <laughs> like she I didn't just even notice said, that, yeah. Yeah, cause like she just says, I yeah. call them the Remnant. And then suddenly everyone you ever meet calls them Remnant. <laughs> and you're like, huh? But anyway. Either that or maybe PB lied. Maybe she's just trying to look cool and like everybody already <laughs> called them the Remnant. She's like, well, I just, you know. Anyway. But yeah, you meet PB. And uh, yeah, because on the first planet you meet PB and Drac. Yep. And it's yep. kind of like. P- yeah, P- yeah. I don't know. I'll let you guys talk about this for a second, but like, <sighs> like PB, right? Oh, you guys are checking this stuff out. Cool. I'll come with you because I'm interested in the remnant. Okay, I can kind of get that, right? That kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. All right, yeah, all right. Drac, Drac is like this guy that was a part of the mutiny. Uh, he's a Krogan, uh, old, really old Krogan, and like the first time you find him, he's like just uh, fighting guys right yeah. and you're like oh okay hey it's drac and you talk to him for a little bit and then like later in the game you f- run into him again fighting guys and they're like oh thanks for saving my hide i guess i'll just join up with you guys and you're like huh what why you were like you mutinied you left this whole thing and then suddenly you're just like oh okay nah i'll just no nah, uh, this the, guy looks fine the more because he was one of my favorites the more you spend time with him the more you realize like cash who is still on the nexus yeah. is the most important thing in yeah, his, his life daughter, right as, it's his granddaughter like not okay. biologically but like he has raised this this kid and is very proud of what she's become um so i i always just assumed um because as soon as he joins your team whenever you go to the nexus like he's in her lab like that's where you yeah. find him all the things he does is either for the Krogan or for her specifically. So I thought it was just his way to get back on the Nexus and continue a relationship with Cash. Maybe, but he doesn't... Re- it's just kind of like, oh, hey. You know? Because like the first time well, he's like, a oh, big you tough guy. guy. He like doesn't a- want to say, I miss my granddaughter. He wants to, I'm <laughs> going to shoot guns with you guys and you'll get me into some cool fights. But he really just wanted to go see his granddaughter. I guess. Like so the first time he meets you, though, he's like, oh, initiative? Ugh. You know, I don't need you guys. And then all of a sudden, oh, okay, hey, let's go. <laughs> yeah. I, I did remember him, like, having that interaction. And then, like, you just, yeah, like, you just fought. And he's like, oh, like, I, I like how you, like, wiped your way through those, like, three easy guys right there. It's like, yeah, like, it was a very small fight. <laughs> so I like how you handle yourself against these, you know... Two dudes. Four guys with pea shooters. <laughs> like I, sh- I should join up with you and and PB same like so there's and sometimes there's interactions even in the the OG Mass Effect trilogy where like you could tell someone was like a DLC character and like they just have to join your party like uh, uh Zaid like you just like walk up to him like and, and it's, it's just like oh hey what's up and he's like oh a mercenary oh, could, oh I'm gonna join you and it's so so it's the same thing but like it was weird to have that happen with like a couple of like mainline you know like just in game you know regular characters where like there's no kind of lead up to them I, joining like, it I just kind of happens even with PB because like she she wants to discover new things that's why she came to Andromeda to like do something nobody's done before. 
And when she sees how you can interact with remnant technology that nobody else has been able to do, I think that she saw just an opportunity to like something cool is going to happen here if I stick with you. Okay, yeah, so we should mention, because we kind of skipped this part, and it's kind of important. So let's go back to the very first mission. Okay, yeah, so Pathfinder, the Pathfinders (laughs) each have this thing called Sam, which is, it's like an AI, like a very advanced AI. 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 It's like, it's plugged into their brains, so it's like symbiotic. And if you'll remember from the first Mass Effects, like, AI is illegal like you do not create ais like so this is kind of a big deal that there's an ai here yeah but it's it's not just a a lone ai it's like a hybrid it's connected to you but some but it's not in your head there's just a connection in your brain it lives somewhere else and so like in that first mission yeah he just finds one of these like things and just, you know, magically puts his hand up and knows how to work something he's never seen ever. And the Sam can magically just do this. But that's what happens. The cats see him do this. And they're, like, mad because, like, they didn't know how to how this stuff worked, right? And that's why they're, like, interested in you guys. I mean, besides the other stuff that we'll get into. But um, you tell, like, they're, the guy is like, oh, I'm how come he could do it i i he's like giving a part where he's like trying to like what how, how did he do that and uh yeah space magic basically is what it comes they don't ever explain much of that just oh man and we forgot to mention vetra which is probably not a bad idea to mention but honestly vetra is probably if you ask me a very forgettable character um oh, she was one of my romances and okay. you just hate well, everything i love about this game <laughs> Well, no, Vetra is a is the sister of one of the characters that was in the Mass Effect Two DLC that Kelsey didn't play. Oh, I didn't. Know. Um, yeah, she's got. Yeah. She's also got a sister on the Nexus that's part of a whole bunch of her side stuff. Yeah, and uh, so she comes along with the Tempest. Though Tempest is your ship, the uh, the not Normandy, and, and she's <laughs> Turian. We should mention too. Yeah, she's a Turian, and so that's like her... She's a procurement specialist, and uh, she comes along with the ship. And uh, so, yeah, I guess you have her when you go to Eos, because you have to have the ship do that. The other thing they don't ever explain, I don't know, unless I missed it, you guys chime in if you did, it's like in the first game, you got between all these space... Like solar... Not solar, but like uh, star systems with these... With the mass relays. mass relays, there are yeah. none in Andromeda. How are they flying behind between all these things oh, they, so fast? Yeah, the camera the, the camera just zooms in. Zooms. <laughs> that's so. That's another thing just worth mentioning is the navigation between planets. They decided to go with this uh, method of you know just. Zoom, like very slowly and deliberately like zooming in on things and then it's like, okay like i'd like to now back out now sometimes you have to wait a few seconds before like something will actually like back out and move so unlike you know in previous games where you could just like be on the galaxy map and hear also beautiful music hear beautiful music in the galaxy map and just be okay there or there and you get and then you're there and now you're moving around and you're you're you're, you're doing things right navigating in this view 
I don't know if someone said, hey, like, what if we take that snappy, quick navigation that we've had before with really great music and, like, take away the good music. Like, just have it be, like, almost nothing that sounds like anything. Make everything take a really long time to, like, change views. To the point where they even added a skip option. Right. And then, uh, like, I I don't know. Like, I, I thought the Galaxy map... It's it's like one of like the the coolest things about like navigating uh, uh, the solar system in, in the previous games, and it's it's something that I don't look forward to whenever I have to go back. It's like I have to go back to space. I'm like, so, oh, I gotta go back to space. When again. you guys first started, did you spend ten minutes looking for a planet called Zensors like I did? Because there was an anomaly on Zensors. And you tried to find that planet for a really long time on sensors. Yeah, her her accent is so thick. I didn't know she was saying sensors, and I was like, <laughs> I gotta find this anomaly. And I just scanned everywhere. I'm like, sensors is not a planet. And it didn't dawn on me until like five or six hours in when she kept repeating it. I'm like, ah, oh. that is too good. I just felt like an idiot after a while. But yeah, to to go back to Chris's thing, I. I missed it if they did explain how you're traveling between systems. I, I didn't think of that until just now. Yeah, I don't don't remember an explanation for it. Space magic. Uh, suddenly, you know, we who needed mass relays? We figured out FTL some other way. They it had, doesn't they had 600 sense. years for an AI to work on it. Maybe he figured something out on the travel. Oh. This game chucks so much stuff. I, I don't even know. Like, anyway... But, um, and, 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 I, and I was talking about this with Rich on some other things. Like sometimes, sometimes it's okay to not give like every single bit of explanation. Like I actually don't like because like we don't we don't always need the midichlorians, right? Sometimes the force is just the force, and that's how it works. And I'm okay with that. But then there's a there's there's a point at which you're like, wait a minute, like how? how could this even work you know like without a way a method to explain it and i think that's that's kind of that line that we're that we're kind of walking on like on on how they're explaining certain things because a lot of it is harder with sci-fi too because you kind of expect to have somewhat plausible explanations well right more yeah more sci it's called mass effect i mean that was the whole basis of the whole series before right and you just went yeah "Mm, nah uh, yeah, I think I think in this game, the, there's like a really small parentheses before that. It says from the creators of Mass Effect, and the game's just called Andromeda. That would have been better. So, but um, so yeah, and then so do we? Well, I, I'll, I'll let you. Yeah, oh, go go ahead. So yeah, it, it was. Uh, uh, so we're now on EOS. We've we've kind of been introduced to a little bit of the gameplay loop. We we start to poke around a bit. Um, I, I can't remember if, because I, I remember you meet uh, Drac before you, he ends up joining your party. I seem to remember that happening after the whole Gravity Well situation with PB. So um, PB is a great character uh, that we've just kind of mentioned quickly uh, uh, up till now. So uh, she's an Asari, but typically Asari, or at least like in my experience, Asari are either very serious or very you know scientific or very focused or very like with a purpose. Uh, PB kind of seems like a bit more carefree, like a bit more of like kind of like a bubbly personality, more fun. Um, I love PB. I think she's she's fantastic. Um, I also really really love that look where it almost like has like like almost like a mask over her eyes, whether it's like paint or like 
I don't remember if, if if I missed this or not. If that's if there's a significance on that, if it's like uh, anything uh, so with, uh, with her. If you would have spent more time in the Nomad, you might have figured this out. Uh, because a lot oh, okay. of the characters talk while you're driving around. And so Drac asked her that yeah. one time. was like, what, what are you doing? You're trying to look like a superhero? And she's like, yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fashion thing, apparently. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, because a lot, I, a lot of, for a while, I uh, had, um, uh, what is it, um, Jal and uh, Korra in my party. And, like, they were talking to each other. And uh, uh, there's a lot of really cool banter between them because, um, like, Jal, like, you know, is, is like, it's weird because like, he'll, he'll talk about stuff that, like, oh, like, do you not realize that, like, you know, like, this is how you look and this, like, but it's, like, like kind of subtext and, like, she's like, oh, this is kind of weird. Like, I don't know if I want to <laughs> talk about this. But, yeah, I don't know if I ever had, as much as I liked PB and Drac, I don't think I had them together in a party a whole lot. That was my go-to team. They had so much funny banter. Uh, there was one where uh, uh, they're talking about uh, PB's family. And PB tells him that her father was an Elcor and, like, how rare that is. And then, like, wow. five hours later, like, it comes up again. And she makes this hilarious – I can't remember it, but she makes this hilarious Elcor joke where she's pretending to be the Elcor and, like, explaining her feelings really well. It was so funny. <laughs> and was she – she was, like, saying it like an Elcor Yeah, would? like, like uh, upset demeanor. And then she'd, like, say her, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was the thing. Like, yeah, that nomad banter was really important. And I think this is probably one... I don't remember this in the other Mass Effect games, what I ran to, where some of the characters on your team don't like each other very much. Mm. Like, Vetra and Liam, they don't get along real well. (laughs) Yeah, I remember learning that, or not learning that, but I remember, like, thinking that towards the end of 3, it was at that, wherever that world was, where, like, you go and you find out the Asari kind of have like known about like uh, the beacon for a while and like have like kind of stolen information and stuff and um uh uh what's your face is there um your main squeeze is uh, liara and um i think it was garris and like he kept like like saying things that i was like if i were there i would be like garris like chill the f out (laughs) (laughs) like stop being so tough on her but yeah like sometimes like the the characters that are together like they're not fans of each other so uh i i i didn't ha- get any pb uh drag banter that would have been they cool. were like yeah. best so, buddies like it was so funny listening to them bond because they're both the oldest members of the crew right they're both hundreds of years old mm-hmm. so they're like making fun yeah. of the rest of us youngins that don't know anything we're idiots and they're yeah. talking about like uh like just life philosophies of what it means to live that long and what you should be doing with your life and what it means to outlive all these other races and things. It was really neat. Well, that's kind of funny because if you put Drac and Liam together, Liam is like the youngest and it's just constantly Drac ragging on him for being like, what are you like two? Or I mean, just, you know, he's just constantly beating him up. Call me when you've, you know, whatever. It's, It's kind of funny good stuff so so yeah so you're down in this um so i, I mean i guess you called it you called it the vault that's what they call it the vault right yeah. so you get down in this first vault and like you're not sure what it is pb's kind of down there um uh you know like working 
and you just keep like digging deeper and you find these gravity wells that like you know you do some environmental puzzles you scan some things and you end up you know going deeper into this well and this is when i really started getting really excited that there could be some like big huge massive uh like you know sci-fi story like lying down here where it's like okay is this you know this ancient technology this civilization like i started feeling like total recall like you know like is there something like beneath the surface that's going to be great and you kind of keep going down and then there's like these remnant robots or machines that are you know maybe kind of guarding it what are they guarding you don't really know you kind of kill them all and like you like activate this you know you activate the vault down there and then it all starts you know like there's like an escape sequence so it's like so there's so much during this game that i don't know if they were purposefully cagey on explaining because they plan to explain it later in the game or if they plan to explain it in future content that i didn't get but i really went through so much of this game feeling like okay like i know the story has advanced a little bit but i don't know what i just did or why i did it like you like you you do this vault and then you get out of it and then it's like okay it's this big you know uh uh and you and you realize now like okay like now the planet can be like terraformed like it's like accelerated like the you know, the atmospheric processing and like which really gave me total recall vibes yeah. and then it's like all right like where are we gonna put you know like the outpost the camp like whatever they call it where like you bring the rest of the nexus people down it's like all right like right here and that's when i started getting excited about like all right i get what's gonna go on there's gonna be a bunch of worlds i gotta help people on these worlds do some random stuff i gotta find the vault vaults are going to be all different but they're all going to have this kind of similar loop where you go down you solve some puzzles you terraform and then you keep going and like really quick so right after we we do that vault and then you know you kind of get that outpost and it's like all right here's a whole bunch more side missions talk to this guy what do you need oh i need like three hens from the the chicken coop uh, two miles away and i just drove to the chicken coop and i got three hens and i brought them back to him and it's like I just did that like over and over again. Like I never felt like anything I was doing was like super fun or interesting. Is that a real one you did? I don't remember that. <laughs> like, like not no. Like, okay. like uh, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, there weren't there were not actual space chickens. <laughs> the rewards are pretty pathetic too. I mean, you don't even get. It's just like kind of like, oh, thanks, dude. Here's a few experience points or something. Oh, okay. Right, and 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 like I didn't feel like the combat was overly challenging, but like you know I wasn't really using you know abilities or anything because i didn't need to i could just shoot everything so then i started doing abilities just to be more powerful and do some other stuff and then i started going to weapon mods i'm like okay let me build some weapon mods so i dug through all these different menus and at the end of all that time i was like you know i really don't feel like the effort i'm putting into like you know gaining these things or do it's like it's not really necessary especially like when i got to um i don't want to jump too much ahead but like the next planet i went to was like the ice planet and I and there's like oh this guy's looking for this person and he doesn't know where they are and like I really just like kind of started feeling like I wasn't invested in all this side stuff so I kind of switched gears from my do everything except priority and then do priority I was like I'm gonna do priority stuff and then if something's interesting along the way I'll do it but like otherwise I'm sick with the priority and that's what what pushed me towards the um uh, what was the the difficulty mode uh, it was like story narrative. or cinematic or narrative. narrative. Yep. So I switched to narrative, um, and uh, and the the unfortunate side effect of switching to narrative 
it really was not necessary to use anything but like the gun I started the game with for like the rest of the game. I, I found like a gun I really liked that had like the uh, the semi-automatic action I like, and I was able to kind of you know get the headshots the way I like them. But I really didn't like di- uh, dig deep into the uh, combat after I made that decision on the Ice Planet to go narrative. Um, I enjoyed the combat that I played, and I unlocked some abilities here and there, but that, you know, none of the rewards, I, like you said, Chris, none of the rewards I was getting for any of the extra stuff I was doing, like, meant anything to me reward-wise, like, you know, uh, like, tangible rewards, as well as, like, narrative or just ex- the experience of going through that being rewarding. So I went very heavy into just priority stuff only from pretty much that point on. Probably, so. you know... I don't want to spend much time on this crafting system. It's pretty deep. Um, probably the only thing I would say that makes it worthwhile is if you're doing higher difficulty, A. But B, there is like one mod you can make when you're crafting any kind of gun that makes it like Mass Effect 1 style, where it just has like a percentage thing, and you never have to worry about finding more ammo again. So mm-hmm. you can just always, you never have to screw with those stupid ammo boxes ever again. And so that that would be awesome. That, be, be, because like the ammo boxes we haven't mentioned. So in Mass Effect One, your ammo regenerated. It was like it would just come back if you waited long enough, regardless of weapon. They switched to a reload system in Two because I guess they had enough development time and they figured they wanted to add a reload system. Um, I wasn't nuts about this because, you know. It does like I don't want to be in the heat of battle, run out of ammo, and then have to like go find an ammo box. So this game, uh, Andromeda, meaning, I feel like there were am- I don't know if it was the difficulty when I went to narrative, but I feel like there were ammo crates absolutely everywhere. It's not the difficulty. Like if you they're just, just everywhere. They're just everywhere. Yeah. So like that's something I didn't understand is that why are you gonna have ammo? if there's a crate every like 15 feet and you just like run by it and like it just refills your ammo like just give me respawning ammo. Well, again or just craft a weapon with the mod they give you that you can just turn mm-hmm. that off yeah uh, so i also played on narrative mode uh for slightly different reasons um i i know if, if you listen to all the episodes you'll know that my favorite mass effect is one and i i like the combat in one i hate the combat in two and three and <laughs> this just seemed more of that and so i, I kind of had enough of that after two games and then i've also played a couple games on like the story modes with my daughter recently and i really enjoyed it so i was like i'm gonna just ignore that part of the game and burn through the combat and i was so much happier when i switched over i probably played five or six hours just on normal before i did that and had a much funner time with the game and just to bring up one more thing bill mentioned That's when he was great. talking about the vaults um, that was probably my biggest plot part of the game that I struggled with. And I just kind of had to ignore it and just pretend it wasn't bothering me. Uh, was because you're terraforming these planets with alien technology that nobody understands. And you're, you're comfortable, like <laughs> dropping your, your whole civilization on this planet now without figuring out how this works or if it might fail or like that part really <laughs> drove me nuts. And I just had to kind of like put it to the back of my mind while I was playing. Well, that and on top of it, how convenient that these robot creatures made with these vaults create an atmosphere that's compatible with life from another galaxy. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway. And and yeah, so so I I think that pretty much gets us through the priority op uh, better beginning where like you know you have to kind of like you know open this up so. Um, this is where it gets a little bit muddy when I look at the list of priority ops because there's like four or five that you can get depending on, you know, kind of like who you talk to first and like which one you complete or partially complete. You basically got Trail of Hope, um, helping the uh, uh, Varl scientists, and then you have like two choices for a new world, um, which is the, the H47C and the Aladdin. So you got a couple different worlds you can choose to go to. Um so basically you're still kind of in the mode where you're like okay this is what we have to do we have to you know like go to these planets like open up these vaults and uh and you know like can just continue you like terraforming and then you also have like a whole bunch of side quests that you can go back you know between the nexus and like uh, uh like your ship the tempest um there, there really is like a whole bunch of you know like busy work to do um and so it, I, I it's still at this point i want to point. jump in really quick oh, here again um, yeah, I I liked a lot of that busy work because, and a lot of it was just busy work. It, it was like Bill said, three chickens, three chickens, thanks, the end. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> if you would do a whole bunch of them, there would be some where the, the, like the scientist is like, hey, I got a math problem here. Like, I, it's gonna take me week to like to do it on my computer. Can you run it in Sam for me? He's like, yeah, I'll throw it in Sam next time in there. And you go throw it in Sam. Same thing. Like, I just think I'll come back and she'll be like, hey, thanks for doing my math. Uh, but it was like a hacker had like snuck some code into the math homework that was trying to infect Sam and shut her off from you. And then it opened up this whole side quest where there's this hacking group that is very vehemently against AI and they cannot stand that one of their leaders uh. has an AI in their brain. And then you have this whole thing where you can like go and try and arrest them and kill them or you can just try and talk to them and like figure out what what their motives are and how far they're willing to go and stuff. And there were a whole bunch of times, like like out of every 10 side quests you did, seven of them were probably just thanks for the chickens, but three of them were like branched into something more interesting. And you wouldn't necessarily get like credits or weapons or whatever for reward. It was just cool to like have some more context and story for me. That, that was reward enough. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I would, that's, that's the stuff that you want, right? Like, that's the stuff that I tell people about that, like, got me into Fallout 3. When, like, you would just, like, go in some, like, little side cave and, like, you know, find someone that, hey, can you just, like, give this money, like, you know, to this girl over there? And you go talk to the girl and you find out, like, oh, it's her dad, but he doesn't want to, like, tell her because, like, he's got, like, radiation poisoning. And then you end up, like, getting sucked into this whole side mission where like there's like radiation vampires and like you got to help save the family like those are like the the stories that you love and it's like i don't need every single side story to be like some epic quest like that but like you know i would i would hope that like there would be more of a an even mix of like you know like oh here's some stuff that is kind of inconsequential versus like oh here's the here's the side stuff that like you really love to see and it's it's nice to hear that there were experiences like that because i didn't run into too many i think it just made the them feel special when they did show up because more of them were not as special and there was one that was just like a joke like a, a like a stoner joke and it took me like (laughs) <laughs> 45 minutes to an hour to do this quest and i was expecting some big payoff and it's just two dudes on a couch like uh. <laughs> i was like oh wow okay <laughs> yeah, dude you actually showed up yeah yep. <laughs> chris knows so chris did that so yeah it's it's uh 
So it's it's around this point in the game that I, I still started like you know kind of like okay like I feel like I know what we're doing we got like a little bit of a loop I know what's happening here, but I still wasn't super solid on who are the remnant, who are the cat, what is the scourge, who is the bad guy right like I I don't remember like when it kind of became clear that there was this character called the Archon until we get through like a few of these priority ops in the middle of the game here and then we get this mission that's okay hunting the archon so i don't want to go like too forward uh, too quickly so um so if you, you guys have any context you, on kind of how we got yeah, there yeah, i mean introduced to the archon really early and then they don't talk about him uh, for like 20 hours if you're playing normally like they really uh, just leave him okay. on the back burner because he he's the one at the front that like sees your dad do the thing and he's trying to emulate it he can't get it to work. He's got the cool. Oh like, my! Halo. I totally forgot about. Yeah. I totally forgot and, about and that. And then yeah. they just don't really have anything to do with him for a really, really long time. Mm. Well, after EOS, you go to that. You're flying or whatever, and you encounter the cat, and then you have to like do, do some super special maneuvering, and then you crash land on Aya or whatever, right? And you get to yeah. meet the the uh, Angara. Angara, and they won't let you. You're new and alien. We don't trust aliens because you find out that the cat, when the cat showed up, these guys that, for quite a while. Right, that they tried to be nice to the cat, and the cat are like horrible to them. So now they don't trust aliens, understandably. But so they won't let you go through the whole town, but they will introduce you like to their person who's in charge uh, of like the resistance or whatever, and. It's kind of like, you got to earn our trust, right? We need some help with some stuff. you got to earn our trust. And to kind of monitor, they send one of their guys with you, and that's Jaw. And so that's your last crew member to join your party. And then at that point in time, you got two choices. You can go to these two worlds. Both need help. Um, one's the ice planet, and one's the... I don't even remember now. What? what the, it was like the jungle planet? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The jungle planet and um which which is the worst planet because you can't drive the nomad on it all the other ones you can so it's the, the best there. planet because you never have to get inside the tank <laughs> so uh that and i thought it was cool that the ice planet had the lost planet mechanic of like ooh, it's too cold yeah and then you had to Gotta like find you know, those like, safe get, zones get in your warm yeah. zones but they all kind of had some of that like the first plant was like radiation oh too much radiation right. you gotta get yeah, out of here be like, there'd, yeah there'd be like pockets of like ooh you know like danger so yeah and that's like true. one of the worlds is the water's poison uh, mm. until you start the machine up right now the water's not poison mm. anymore um I don't know how deep we have to get into it I would probably say just the big plot points because yeah I don't like, you find out on Aya that the Moshe has been abducted by the cat, and the Moshe is like this sacred person for the Angara. And so that's what they're trying to do, is they're trying to free the Moshe. And uh, before they'll let you do that, you got to earn your trust. Go to these plants, help our resistance people out. Um, and so Hoth, you can go to Hoth, and... Uh, <laughs> Hoth or Endor. Yeah, right. So you can do the Hoth stuff, and eventually you do enough Hoth stuff to start their vault up. 
Um, because I guess we said like like the vault, whatever you like, find out like, oh look, this vault's connected to all these other worlds, and you know, there's like a star map. And uh, yep. Yep. anyway, I don't know if there's much exciting that happens on Hoth World other than there's some resistance. You do a bunch of crap. It's cold. You do the vault. It's not so cold. Is there was <laughs> there right. anything that I'm not thinking of? It really was not very just, exciting. Just little side things. Yeah, like there, I don't think there's anything other major in there. No, not really. Uh, yeah, just some side quests. Well, I guess we should mention it, it, it too, like, just, oh. like if you really spent time with people in the lore and stuff, like it was cool how the planets all interconnected because there was like people's jobs on Vold that were called ice runners, and it was their job to like deliver ice to all the other planets because they didn't have mm-hmm. drinkable water, and so they they had these like whole uh, squads like set up just to like transfer ice around. So it was just cool to see how they had like an ecosystem between all the planets that you were actually able to visit. Yeah, and there was like some super cat base that was there that you had to take out. Yeah. Um, like every time you get to a new planet, like that you'd have cool. Sam do this little overview, like over here is this, and then over there yeah. is that, and mm. you're like whatever. And that's and before, cool that you're showing me this, but when you bring up my map, yeah. it's all dark and I can't see anything. So <laughs> yeah. And 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 just and just before I forget, I meant to say this before. Uh, so Kelsey, when you said when you mentioned Sam earlier. I thought I heard you say that this hacking group wants to cut her off from you. So you played as female rider. I did. Sam, my Sam, Sam was a male. A so yeah, I I might have, okay. might have said that. I just misspoke. Like they were just trying to cut you off gotcha. from Sam. That's what I, I was trying to say. Gotcha. Because I, I I thought maybe because since Sam is an androgynous name that like maybe Sam uh, followed the gender of your rider. That would have been interesting, but no, I think it was the same Sam for everybody. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay, I, you cut this out, Kelsey, but I think you're on dial-up again. It's kind of rough. Um, but the uh, other thing I want to put in here, I mean, I this is kind of weird to me. I don't know if it's weird to you guys that, like, when you're doing your character creation, they give you a pretty good latitude with your character creation. It's like the, uh, like the first time I played the game, I went with a male. Second time I went through the game, I played as a female. But, like, my first guy was a black guy, and, you know, like, the, the none of thing, nothing conforms, right? I mean, like, your dad was black, and your sister was black. That was kind of cool that it did that. But obviously, like, man, like, Scott Ryder, and it's like just the vanilla... And the voice is just like the most whitest people on the planet. So you had no I, choice, right? Shang Chi had just come out, and I was in a Shang Chi mood. So I actually made my character look like a female Shang Chi, uh, and my brother was just white <laughs> as hell. Like we definitely did not have the same biological family. Okay, well, when I was black male writer, my sister was black, and my dad was black. Uh, so I'm at least that. Could, like, if I had to guess, my whole family's ethnicity. Like, I was Asian. My brother was Caucasian. My dad looked Native American, kind of, and my mom was Indian. Like, none of us <laughs> matched at all. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, cool. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that some of it works, but yeah, like, <laughs> the voice the voice acting just really, I mean, unless you're, so, unless yeah. you're like, football hunk Scott Ryder or whatever, nothing yeah. tracks, right? 
Yeah, I, so just a couple of, of quick notes about that, and I don't want to feel like I'm complaining about everything, but yeah, the uh, uh, the voice acting, um, some of it was really good. Uh, for the most part, I feel like it was accents were really shoehorned into like every corner they could get them in, just like. Like, Almost like, too much. I understand. When, like when it's you're listening to your your navigator there too. <laughs> Couldn't find stupid yeah, answers. Yeah, man. Like we like we like. A, <laughs> got like you know like got 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 Scottish. I got uh, you know got Irish over here, and I know it's a big world, and there's a lot of accents, but like it just felt like accents for the sake of accents. Yeah, and like and a lot of these like, people right. didn't grow up on Earth, like in regional dialects. They would have right. grown up like in space on different planets and stuff. Right. And, and we and we've said before like we did find some lore in the OG trilogy where it was like oh like there's there's universal translators that like everyone uses so it's like who knows if the accent is just you know artificially put in there just for diversity like now I'm making stuff up but like uh, the other thing that 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 bugged me a lot is um, uh, I could tell that Ryder and probably many other characters weren't motion captured. And, like, they just kind of had that, like, weird robotic chest puffy arms backward, wrists bent in a weird way all the time, kind of just, like, weird gorilla walk, like, everywhere. I'm telling you, and s- I would laugh every time. Like, if you're in, like, your character doesn't move the same. So when your character is in, <laughs> when your character is in um, battle mode with the gun out, like, you're, mo- yeah. you're running and everything, it's all pretty good. I'm thinking, like, they just took that from another game. And, but when you are like in not combat mode and your character runs, clothes. your legs just like shoot all over the place. <laughs> like if you change and, direction while you're running, your legs just go yeah. in weird directions. And like every time it was like a cutscene or like a conversation, like and from some angles it looked good. So it's almost like someone showed their like visual effects supervisor, like, hey, like what do you think of this character model? And they're like, oh, it's fantastic. And then you saw it from the side, and it's like the arms are like bent like weird ways, and like they would just—I don't know—I I noticed it every single time like a cutscene or something would come up. I was like, man, that's rough. Yeah, whenever you talk and, to someone, uh, like whatever angle you pick to talk to them from, that's where it would like kind of find its cinematic view. So yeah, sometimes you'd get them front on because that's where you talk to them. But if you talk to them from the side, you'd have a whole conversation where. Not just would their body be funny because they weren't meant to be that way, but like the voice would be hard to hear because they were talking away from your character too, and so it'd be really quiet compared to everything uh, else. Yeah, yeah, I've got surround sound, yeah. so a lot of times I would swing my camera around just because I couldn't hear them yeah. from the angle yeah. I was at. I, I have I have subtitles on because I played in the bedroom. I didn't always have headphones. And I couldn't always have the volume super loud, like because there's a baby on the other side of that wall, and the kids are sometimes sleeping. So, a lot of times I just had to rely on the subtitles uh, because the the audio mixing. And I can't I can't really blame the game because I'm playing on a stereo TV and the volume's not very loud. But like yeah, like I would notice that too, where like uh, or like you'd start a conversation with someone, and I really do like the realism where like if I walk away from someone in the same room they get softer and softer and it's like well that would make sense i'm walking away from them and then some people like you'll go to another room and it'll like click into like radio mode you know because like you're kind of connected that way and that's cool too but yeah like sometimes if someone's just facing a weird direction or like in a corner it's like i i have no i I can't hear this person and then you just got to rely on the subtitle so 
but yeah so it's and but it's 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 a it's just a stark difference from like okay like mass effect one even in early on the beginning okay like who's the enemy well we have Saren, who's a, a major protagonist he killed someone you know allegedly who's like on this like initial mission and we got like a whole okay like we're going after him uh reapers yeah i mean they're they're a concern but like you know early on what's going on and i feel like in andromeda i it, i just struggle to like you know like so, are we are are we trying to terraform? Are we fighting a bad guy? And it, it yeah. really takes a long time for me to get my head around it. I, I was really in, more interested in the like terraforming and exploring kind of aspect, and I was kind of mm. like, I don't know, disappointed that they kind of like. If you think about the, we haven't even I said their name yet, but the Jardan that left the remnant technology there, mm. like that's really similar to the protheans like you've got this advanced civilization left stuff for you to find that you can use to advance your civilization and then you've got the ket who we also haven't mentioned it but their exaltation process where they use other species to create new ones of them like that's reapers like you've got the exact same story going on here and (laughs) (laughs) you've just put a new coat of paint on both parts of it yeah it's it's interesting that you say that because I really feel like if they went hard in one direction, if they were like, "Listen, this is a new galaxy. It's a new beginning. This is the direction the game is going in." Mass Effect Andromeda is about rebuilding. We did, like, and we talked about it before, uh, like months ago, that like you know, if Mass Effect were to come back, like we don't need a big universe-saving, you know, cosmic, you know, uh, uh, consequence-type yeah. game. Right. Like we, we have that now. Like, can we, can we have a game that like, and like you said, like you got excited about like, okay, like I don't have to focus on the combat. I can focus on the narrative. I can do this, you know, like some of it's busy work, but then when like that occasional cool thing pops up, it's really satisfying. And there doesn't need to be, you know, a great big cosmic galactic mystery or like, you know, bad guy to, to, to go after. So, uh, it, it is, you know, kind of weird that they, you know, tried to, do multiple things and like it ends up kind of diluting both of them because like Mm -hmm. you kind of get like a half weird terraforming game and like a not quite fleshed out story with a bad guy and some other you know like things going on in it uh, one thing i did not know going into this game was that it was planned to be part of another series i really thought this was a standalone experience that was going to be a full story like unsatisfying and it was very frustrating to get to the end and start to realize like oh i'm not going to learn anything that i wanted to learn here like i don't know anything about the jardin about the scourge about the cat uh there's like i don't know if you did it bill but there's like uh do you remember gian garson and the benefactor like did you get in any of that stuff mm-hmm. yeah so like yep. did you do like yep. start investigating her murder no, no. So, I like I like I, I I got yeah I started into it and like so, it's it's not a, a mission that I finished but we started yeah, down that so, down that so path. So everybody knows she died early on and it's very upsetting, but you start investigating it and you figure out like oh no she didn't die like she knew someone was hunting her and she got murdered and someone's trying to cover this up mm-hmm. and I was like oh this is super interesting because it links into your father too because you, when you unlock his memories through the memory core in Sam, um, he's. Uh, talking with Gian about this benefactor and they're both really uncomfortable with the situation but the benefactor is the one who's financed this whole crazy expensive arc project and 
And mm-hmm. so there's like some espionage and secret stuff going on there and murders. And, and then none of it gets explained because it was all going to be part of Andromeda 2 oh. or 3 or whatever. And it was so disheartening because I was getting really invested in some of that oh. stuff. And like you find out your dad hid your mom in someone else's cryo tube. Like, so she's alive. She's there. And they're, they're hoping that over 600 years, this AI has figured out how to solve her illness. And none of it gets paid off. And it's so, so frustrating because there's no, yeah. Like I'd never heard like any twinkling of an Andromeda two because this one, you know, didn't have the sales they wanted. So I really didn't realize it was meant to be more than this game. Yeah. So I think we've bounced around all over the place. So, I mean, if we were following the trail (laughs) of the story, you, you, you rescue the, you go to rescue the Moshe. You have to like infiltrate a cat facility, and uh, that's when you find out that what happens to the people that are captured. That basically they are, you know, their genetics are incorporated in to make new cat. So put them in a blender, use their DNA, make new cat, and then the cat basically take their traits that are useful and incorporate it into their genome, and so like. Yeah. Uh, like the Angara have some kind of like bioelectrical thing and they're like oh, okay yeah well you know if that's good we'll yeah. take it and use it and it, it, was, it was a really cool moment I had Jal with me when we found that out and he was like like, like this like this is us like it was like I, you had to like go like console yeah, he was him really like, upset that, like he had been basically murdering yeah. his own people like crazy yeah, yeah. Right? but yeah. Yeah. you had to like talk him down like they're not your people anymore right and even the doctor like did the things like there's no reversal of this right this is mm-hmm. the the old people are gone yeah and uh yeah yeah to have a big conversation with him but yeah i mean that leads you then to some other i don't know if we really even i don't know what you guys think i mean that's it once you find out how it goes it's basically just eventually let's track down the the ship for yep. the, the cat leaders yeah the archon and but to do that you have to eventually figure out that all these um things link up with meridian meridian is like the source for this vault network and Man. i mean there's some other stuff that happens there's like a planet that has all of like the people that mutinied from the nexus have taken it over and there's like it's yeah. like a crime syndicate it's like your, your moss eisley yeah there's like this whole crime syndicate thing and you have to like basically pick a side uh on that and obviously both the sides are kind of crummy but you got to pick one um there's like a, a basically it was like an asteroid you have to drive around on and do stuff that was fun it's like a like mining thing um I thought it was cool like it's I don't know if it's always like a little wink to Halo like every time there's like uh a game that kind of has like uh especially like a late game driving sequence especially if it's like an escape sequence like I always just think of Halo 1 and Halo 3 where like you know those games ended with these big you know kind of like action set piece driving sequences and it wasn't really an escape sequence it was just kind of like towards the very very end of the game where like you're kind of going in like on this raid on the uh, you know like the final final oh, area. Is that after the it Nexus was like, like big... goes down? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's like this awesome. big, big wide open. Um, and like, you're kind of like, you know, like, uh, cause a lot of times like you're not like when you're driving, you're just kind of, you know, going on a regular grade. Like you're like going down like super steep, uh, like, uh, hills and like kind of like dodging stuff and stuff's exploding everywhere. Like it's, it's really kind of more of an event cause it's, it's not really like a skill thing. You got to get through like a battle or something, but it's just, it, it makes the, the, um, the mission like feel bigger and like feel really important with like all this stuff going on. It's not like, okay, well we're just walking in and sneaking through some corridors, killing a hundred bad guys until we win the game, you know? So, uh, I, I did like that, that driving, yeah, uh, uh action kind of incorporated into the very end there. And they have, I mean, we're skipping over a lot of story, but I feel like it really, to the main plot, doesn't really matter. Like, none of it matters. And then... Yeah, because cause in the, uh, to your point, um, so we, we did, like, uh, you know, we kind of left off, like, a while ago, uh, we had, like, those, like, several new worlds you could go to, and really the last priority stuff is hunting the Archon, um, it's Journey to Meridian, um, where you, you know, like, find the map to Meridian, and then Meridian the way home. So Meridian was lost when the Scourge was launched against the Jardan. Uh, as the heart of the Vault Network, it's the key to restoring worlds across the cluster. Only when Meridian is found and secure will the future be certain. So, like, Meridian the way home is when you do that, like, final assault. Um, where, like, I think all this, you know, the driving I was just talking about is. And really, like, there's nothing spectacular about this final sequence. You just go in... There's some scourge there, so you kind of got to avoid it, um, and uh, you know, if you stand in it, you'll die. And then you just kind of make your way deeper and deeper, and then you just, you know, fight all the bad guys until there's no more bad guys to fight, so, and that's kind of the there, end. There is one uh, cool plot point in that area, though, where you find out that the Angara are created by the Jardan, like they're not a native species to this system, like they've been made and designed. And so Jal, same thing, like like the other uh, exaltation thing. Like he has some weird feelings about that doesn't know how to feel. Like we've been designed <laughs> and created to live here. Like this is like we had no idea. Right. And we kind of skipped over to like the other arcs. I mean, essentially the way you find the other arcs is mostly through the loyalty missions that are involved. I will tell you, Liam, Liam's loyalty mission was really <laughs> funny. It was really good because they had all this thing where this bad guy would keep coming on the thing like, oh, you guys have to, and you would, like, you were having this argument, and you would just, like, turn it off. Like, and just shut him so up, and then you would start he did, it, and he would pop back on again. He did, like, a legit, just ripped off Star Wars line. He did the Han Solo, like, yeah, everything's fine in here on the intercom yeah. point, which yeah. is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, so those were kind of fun. Like, most of them are, like, well, I wouldn't say all fun. But I mean, like, some of them, like, the Asari arc. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it wasn't lighthearted. Like, the Asari arc story was not lighthearted. Yeah, right? no. That was a cool decision at the end of that one, where you had this Asari who was who was the Pathfinder, who was willing to let other Asari die to do certain missions. So you had the choice to, like, okay, you got the job done, you're the Pathfinder, or you can tell all her superiors what she did, and let this inexperienced newbie be the Pathfinder. Yeah, and I totally let the the one that the one that was I stayed the Pathfinder because I'm like, you got to make hard calls sometimes, right? I oh, mean, I let I let the nice one be the Pathfinder. She was the one who t posed to me really serious later on too. 
So. <laughs> <laughs> now I let the experienced ones stay because I'm like, I mean, you know, stuff doesn't always go right. It's the way it is. Like, uh, the human Pathfinder died and a new Pathfinder took over. So, you know, it didn't probably work out the way everybody wanted. So, I don't know. It's just, this is an odd game. And there's like weird parts where yeah. the game every once in a while is like, it's like, remember the other Mass Effect games? Hey, you remember like on EOS, like I found this little subplot quest and it's, oh, it's Zaid's son. Yeah. And you're like, okay. But it's like a throwaway thing. It's totally throwaway. Yeah. Uh, and and it's, it's weird to, y'all yeah, go ahead, Carl. Well, I was just going to say, like, my favorite nod to the old ones was when you're going through your dad's memories. And, like, the la- like Liara is talking to your dad through uh, these just vet messages. Like, she knows about the arcs and the Nexus and, and the Andromeda mission. So she's been sending information to your dad, just these little audio logs and stuff. So she's describing what's happening on Earth. And, like, she's like, like I don't know if we're going to make it. Like, the Reapers are coming. And then at one point on the audio, like, you hear that, like, boom, like, Reaper sound, which was really, really yeah. cool. Uh, but, yeah, they're talking about, like, Shepard's got a plan. And, and they, they do kind of feed you in on, like, what's going on in Mass Effect 3, which I, I really liked. And it was just that. And you had really had to work to get to that because you had to do all the memory cores. I think it was one of the last ones. Um, but, yeah, it was cool to, like, because... That was the last transmission, so it sounds like from what you know in Andromeda that the Milky Way doesn't exist anymore. Like it's, It really sounds like the Reapers won and wiped everybody out. Which doesn't make mm. any sense at all when you think about reality, because you've been in transit <laughs> for 600 years. The Andromeda galaxy is only like so many light years away you would have plenty of transmissions afterwards that you could just listen in on. They just haven't made it yet. They're too busy fighting Reapers. All their radios got knocked over during the Reaper battle. It's going to take them a while to build those again. (laughs) But it's been hundreds of years. (laughs) Nobody's figured out how to make a radio work again. They don't have the Protheans to help them this time. they got to figure it out on their own. I don't think so. We're going to find out in Mass Effect 4 that, no, not really. Everything's cool. We keep going. And then it will make even less sense. Yeah, I really wonder if it's going to be like Cars, and then Cars Two happened, and then what they did was they did what any reasonable person would do: they completely ignored the fact that Cars Two was a thing, <laughs> and they made Cars Three as like a direct sequel to Cars One. <laughs> I, yeah, I wonder. I if wonder it's... And and what I started to say before is, oh, what's up? No, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, um, it's it's weird because like sometimes when like I really like you know kind of pick apart like all the things that I'm thinking about a game because like I, I feel like someone listening would think like oh like you know like they, you know they really didn't like this game and like sure there are parts of it that are silly and goofy and underexplained but like I I didn't have a bad time playing the game you know like I enjoyed like what I played of it I think it was an interesting uh, you know you could tell it was an interesting experiment. Uh, like Chris said, it had a troubled development, so you don't know what decisions got made in what order, and what did they, you know, maybe add on late that they were like, oh, like well, we don't know if we have enough or if this is going to work. Like we got to throw something on there. Um, so, you know, you never know, kind of like how many cooks are in the kitchen type thing. But like, you know, looking back on the whole experience, like I'm glad I played it. I'm glad that you know I got to see kind of like you know, uh, you know, whatever creative directors, you know, you know, team 
you know we're able to throw together in this uh, in this world. But to to agree with uh, what I think both of you have said at different times is it it's it really like almost doesn't feel like Mass Effect a lot of the time until they're like oh hey remember like this is a Mass Effect game. You know, like if you could have like put any race on like, you know, like any of these like other alien guys and, you know, like nothing about like, you know, PB screamed a sorry at me or like that she had to be like, you know, there's there's so much of it that was just like, well, we're going to make it Mass Effect because that's the license we have. So. uh So, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm still glad I played it. I think it was uh, I think it was interesting there's a lot of quirks and it's it there's so there's there's you know i didn't even get into like my weird experiment with some of the because the the menus and this is the only thing i'll say about it but like when you hit start you get that very familiar mass effect you know kind of radial menu where like you can you know press any any direction any way around and i press start and i'm looking at it and i'm like why doesn't that look right to me like because to me there's there's only a few ways you could do this you could so because like since it's around in a circle you would either do it where like each each you know like menu item is an is an equal distance from the center menu item or like like centered or like an equal distance from the outside of the menu right but I'm, i hit start and i'm looking at it and like every item is like a different distance like left or right from like in like that that box and i'm like it just doesn't look right it looks like no one looked at this and it's really it's hard to explain like as i'm listening to myself say it but like <laughs> so the menu doesn't like seem like it should look like that and then i sent it to a graphic design friend of mine i was like what's wrong with this and he was like oh the spacing is like different for like each different menu box and i'm like right like i'm not just crazy and then uh you have um just endless endless menus like looking through like character and abilities and different levels of dots for each ability and different costs for things and different materials and different resources and up like it was so much menu garbage for so little reward to to actually do it i'm not i'm so again it's it's i'm not not saying just to to rag on the game i'm just saying it was so much that i just ignored it and was able to finish the game while ignoring it so like just it just doesn't seem like all the pieces were like balanced and thought of together well, it just yeah. all kind of seemed like that's it was how i play and then every game like anything like i know chris mm. got frustrated with me when i went over to his place uh and he like he's like i got Mega Man 10 let's play Mega Man 10 and he's like why are why are you just using your buster the whole time <laughs> you're not using any special weapons and i'm like i don't know let's just they got the buster. I just want to use the buster. I'd, I'd ignore all this other stuff and thus it makes me use it. And same with Dark Souls. It was like, I don't know how the magic system works. I didn't join any of the groups. Like, I just ran around with my dagger until I couldn't dagger things anymore. So, I don't know. That just, I, I totally I agree with you 100%. I'm just used to doing that in any kind of game, mm-hmm. just ignoring all the stuff. Like, I don't want to craft, I don't mm-hmm. want to fight. Like, so I was just ignoring those parts of the game and enjoying the parts mm-hmm. that I did enjoy like the nomad yeah no and, and to be fair like i like i i ignore alchemy in skyrim and i still love it and i just don't pay any attention to alchemy you know and like the rest of the game like still works without it so so yeah it's uh it's it's definitely a weird one and uh uh yeah it's there there's a there's a lot going on there and 
it's yeah it's I, I i can't think of another game like this that's like you know such a kind of like weird sidestep for like a beloved franchise dragon age 2 <laughs> mm, i don't know though like it, it was part two you know it know. wasn't like i mean like final it fantasy wasn't like, 8 it, there you go. All the mechanics were so. Um, <laughs> I don't. I mean, yeah. We didn't even talk about like the Archon. When you find out, is not really the big big bad. He's just the local big bad. Yeah, and there's all more kind of running rogues later on. Yeah. So, like Kelsey was saying, though, like there's just so many loose ends because it was meant to be something bigger, and so it's just not satisfying by the time you get to the end of it. Yeah, it's really not. Um, I mean, it's not a bad game to play, and it no, has some interesting bits. They're interesting loose ends. Like, I want to know who killed Gion, who the benefactor is. I don't really care about the cat, but the Jardin were interesting enough. I want to figure out how the Scourge came about. Like, yeah. some of it was cool, and I got invested. Yeah. And yeah, it sucks not to probably maybe ever get answers for these i don't know if they've done novels or comics or something to like continue the story but i think i might look into that i don't think so so i'd I'd be curious to know since i kind of went off and i was like all right i'm just going to be narrative and priority ops only so my viabilities were definitely not 100 percent everywhere so there is a priority op that shows up when every available world is brought to 100 Mm percent are you guys at a hundred percent, I got uh, those I got that extra mission. Yes, I did the first time. Is around. it is it worth the effort to get every planet to a hundred percent viability? I would or assume you would think no. Uh, so you, <laughs> you do it all, and then they like give you a new location, and they're like, "We want you to go here." And it's like, "Okay, something cool is going to happen. I'm going to fly here, have a cool new mission." You go there, and it's just this really it's not even the long scene it's like maybe two minutes uh and it's just touching they're like hey for all you've done for this andromeda mission and supporting the nexus and the arcs and stuff we're naming this cluster after you this is the you know sarah rider pathfinder you know star cluster or whatever it is that's it that's all you get for doing the 100 percent viability stuff do you remember like at the end of star wars where they hang the medals on them <laughs> that's yeah. kind of what it is but it is a lot of work to get every planet to 100%. It's a lot of things it's to really do. It's really not right? that much because anyway. if you do everything yeah. on a planet, you would have way over 100%. Yeah, you don't need to 100% Oh, you can get over 100%? Oh, big time. Well, like it, you it just basically the vault the... gives you like 60% right off the bat. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It wouldn't, it's you don't not have really to, that hard. You don't have to clear the maps. You just have to get the viability to 100%. Gotcha, okay. And I don't know, I like the characters and whatnot are usually the heart of Mass Effect. And and like the romance is like a big part of that. And I don't know about you. Man, I slept with everybody and nobody cared, man. I was every single time somebody would look at me sideways, I'm like, let's go. And nobody cared. <laughs> I had a really uncomfortable and cool situation with that because I like like you. I just expected like usually locked into one person, right? So uh, PB was 
I, I was just trying to get with any Asari who would have me initially. And PB, you know, jumped at the chance and she specifically was like, I want to know strings attached relationship. Like, do you want to fool around in my escape pod? Uh, which we did. And then I uh, got started getting close with Vetra. And we had like a touching moment and, and kind of bonded in a way that PB didn't ask for. So I was like, okay, I'll see where this goes. And then uh, PB after that was like, hey, like I, I do want this to be something more. Like, do you want to change our relationship? And I was like, oh, like I just kind of made a big thing with Vetra. So I was like, no, I'm like, I'm sorry, not going to do it. But the whole time I've been doing both of these, I've also been hitting on every Asari. So the reporter was like, hey, like, you better meet me at the bar. Uh, I want to talk next time you're on the Nexus. So I went to meet with her. And she's like, I know you're in a relationship with Vetra. Like, I am very comfortable with being your Nexus side piece whenever you come here and I can keep it discreet. I've already got the <laughs> bar made, like, looking out if Vetra's on her way. She's going to let us know. Or we can go to my apartment. And I was like, oh. Uh, like I didn't expect that it really caught me off guard because I I just assumed once you have somebody you have somebody like you don't have those kind of uncomfortable options so it was it was neat new experience that I've never had with Mass Effect yeah I hooked up with Reyes from like one of the like one of the bad guy people and you have like this really kind of dirty thing where it's like oh you like the bad boy and it's like yeah I do (laughs) I mean <laughs> it's I you could just hit on him. everybody. I'm mean, like, you know, like I was hitting on Gil, and Gil's like, I, you know, no offense, I'm not into yeah. ga- into girls. Yeah. And I was hitting on the doctor. The doctor's like, I'm not really looking for a relationship right now, but she'll still have drinks with you. And I mean, just yeah. like ever, like Jaw was writing me poetry. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. I I was trying to see if I could make something work with Callow. Or Drac, but I don't think either of those ones are options because I tried really hard. Liam, I t- yeah, Liam totally <laughs> hooked up with Liam. I mean, yeah, but that was like the weird thing, right? Because that wasn't very Mass Effect like. I'm like, nobody cares. I'm just, I'm getting yeah. space herpes over here, and nobody cares. Yeah, I didn't romance anybody. I don't remember the opportunity coming up. You didn't miss it. Yeah. There there were lots of them. I don't remember. I don't remember like talking to like, you know, you go back to the Tempest and like, I don't remember walking around. Also, like, I feel like Mass Effect 1, I loved being on the ship. Like there was something really cool about it. Galaxy, like the layout was great. Galaxy, I knew where everything was. And then Mass Effect 2, I actually thought was really cool uh, upgrade where, you know, like, you would like the same thing like galaxy map was right there and then like i knew you know like like jacob was there with the guns morden was there with science like everything was right there and i actually did not like the down like i thought it was a downgrade in mass effect 3 where like you'd end something and then it kind of like put you back like in that like vidcom room and like you had to like walk like through the war asset room like and then through where science used to be where Morden was and it was like those two girls that were always just like chatting like ship gossip and then it would always slow me down because it's like that invisible loading screen in that like little hallway loading girls and then right and then i had to like walk into the main thing like i felt like it's like you know it doesn't seem like a lot but like it's it's like a process to like get back to the galaxy map every time i go back to do something and like I just, I'd want it to be snappier, 
but then get into the tempest and it's like oh wait a minute sometimes you're three floors away <laughs> or like you know two sets of stairs or like you know ladders away from like some random you know like thing that you got to go do and like i'm glad we have waypoints but like man like why does the ship have to be so big yeah, it was <laughs> all really over the place. huge oh. even to the point that like your cyber truck was pretty tiny in the cargo hold right and like i get the nexus being big I get, you know, like some of the arcs being big. And then sometimes you're on like one of those things and it's like, oh, like you got to go to like operations. I got to take like a tram like within this ship. But like it's just it's just the Tempest, right? It's just my ship, right? Like why why can't it be compact? And like I almost wonder if it's like the guys by like, oh, no, like it has to be bigger than the last game because then it shows, you know, like we're we're expanding, like, you know, we're, we're getting crazier. But like, dude, like sometimes it's like I felt like like why am i walking so much like i'm just like in one ship so i don't know it's uh what you're you're saying it's not wrong i just i kind of liked that every crewmate had like their personality in the ship so like you saw liam's like crummy old couch that he'd like dragged in there and like just you know garbage everywhere and then pb had like the escape pod like all set up and the doctor had her yeah and like drac was always in the kitchen it was just I don't know. I, like every time I entered a new room, it was like it had that character's personality like in the room. It was kind of fun. And Cora was really yeah. into plants. Yeah, really into plants. She wanted that that rose garden 400 years from whenever she planted it, so she wasn't going to get to see it. It's very sad. Yeah. You know what I thought was was a missed opportunity, and Jedi Fallen Order did this. Like when you were just like out on different worlds, you could like find plants. And then it was like you brought it back to your ship and then you would have that little kind of greenhouse area where it's like, oh, like you have plants from like all the different places you visited. Felt like that was kind of a missed opportunity since you're visiting all these worlds and you have a character who's into plants. It's like, hey, like bring me the plants that you find. You're already like, scanning minerals. You know, Why not like... scan some plants? Too. Okay. So you must have missed that subquest where you had to go get plants for the space bar to make right, have drinks. Yeah. Must have, yeah. I did some of that. I didn't finish that quest. I did like two or three of them. And I was like, ah, but, yeah. I'm not going to do this last one. There's not a, there is no payoff. <laughs> awesome. Glad to hear that. So, so I mean, I, yeah, I, I feel like I've kind of, you know, like over, you know, the course of the, of the last portion of the conversation, I've kind of, you know, fed in my, my, pretty much my final thoughts. So, uh, Chris, did you have any final thoughts after? Uh, so, I mean, so this is the second time you've played through uh, the the story completely. So, d- was anything different, or maybe better or worse than the first time you remember? Did you discover anything that you didn't hit the first time through? I'm just curious how the how your playthroughs have changed. Well, with your final. I mean, thoughts I played here. a lot more of the multiplayer, um, which I actually probably enjoyed more than playing the game again. To be quite honest. <laughs> mm. Um, how, how, how healthy are those lobbies? Is it easy to find games? Um, surprisingly, not bad. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a huge number of people playing, but there's enough of a core group there, and it's since it's on Game Pass, enough people mm, rotating yeah. in and out, you could find a game, no problem, if you want to okay. play it. Um, I have no idea on PlayStation, but on Xbox you could. Again, I wouldn't say healthy, but... <laughs> There's a surviving group of people playing the game. Um, I remember the first time I played this because I played at launch. And at the time I felt, well, that's not too bad. 
having just come off of playing the last three like in a row and then moving to this one, it kind of is. Um, it's not a great game. Do, do I regret playing it again with you guys? No, I don't regret it, but it's just not a great game. And if they just do the cars thing, like you said, and forget that it ever <laughs> happened, I think everybody would be fine with that. So, yeah, that's, I guess that's my two cents. I mean, if you got Game Pass, sure. If you like Mass Effect, you want something to do, play it. Um, otherwise, man, I mean, it's probably a $5 game, yeah. I guess, if you really want to. I, I was just going to say, yeah, I don't, I don't think a physical copy is probably probably very expensive. But I uh, got mine for 10 bucks. So, I think, so, a little before we did this. 10 bucks Canadian, so probably 5 I just say, know what you're getting into. And if you're cool with mm-hmm. just a mediocre game with a Mass Effect coat of paint, okay. Have fun with it. So, Kelsey, I feel like you are, of the three of us, you are the, the hottest or the highest on I feel this like that game. Too. Um, and just from, you know, kind of what we've been hearing uh, in the conversation, uh, which is awesome, uh, I'm just curious where you. Uh, where you place this because uh, you, you said before that you loved uh one the most overall especially that combat um so once you switched to narrative that kind of put you in a mode where you didn't have to worry about it anymore mm-hmm. um does does this rank among you know among your favorite uh, mass effect experiences or did the story in two and three you know were, were they were they important in, in swaying that uh, that ranking for so- you if you remember when we played two, I don't think that story even needs to exist. Like, I think you can go from one to three. Uh, yeah, we, we, yeah, we talked about you could go from one to three. <laughs> and understand everything. Uh, so, like, if I was ranking these, I'd probably go one Andromeda, three, and two. And every problem you guys mentioned Andromeda is a problem. And the, the one that annoys me the most is that it just it didn't end because they planned more. And none of that's ever going to happen now. So if you go in knowing that and you're okay with that, I think it'll help a lot with your enjoyment of this game. There's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, There's also a lot of monotonous stuff. Uh, So just, yeah, do the things you find interesting. I I enjoyed roaming around in the Nomad and and doing side quests because the times they paid off just felt really cool. Uh, it's kind of why I like Cyberpunk's 2077 more than a lot of people too, because you'd just be doing random, stupid, nothing mission, and all of a sudden, like you're in this huge, crazy, awesome storyline that just like spun off. And the storyline is the payoff for me. I'm not looking for cool combat perks or the sweetest armor or whatever, because that's my least favorite part of these games. Uh, I just want to just do some cool role playing stuff. So that's why I kind of rank a little higher. After listening to you guys talk about some stuff in 3, though, like the Leviathan DLC and things, like I really do feel like I want to play that again with the Legendary Edition. And I, I, I anticipate my ranking changing to go like Mass Effect 1, 3, then Andromeda uh, with, with some of that stuff, like fleshing out 3 a little more for me. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed my time in this game. I loved drac and pb in particular the rest of the crew vetra was okay but the other three really didn't do anything for me but like drac man like if you followed his loyalty mission through and then there was like 
two or three more other parts like after it that really like there's a part where you go to the bar with him and you do, you're waiting for his friend to come and set up this Krogan drinking game and you get into a brawl fight with all these guys and then you're hanging out with him and Kesh and you find out that because uh, there's there's like these protocols in place where no one is supposed to procreate yet like they want to make sure these planets are viable and then you get fertilized so everybody's got like implanted with these things that will not let you have children and so some of the Krogans have figured out how to make some some Krogan babies and him and Kesh get a couple Krogan baby eggs right at the end and he is just like over the moon to be a great grandfather and raise these kids again and the whole game he's been talking about raising Kesh and how important it was to him and so it was, it was really touching from this like big brutish old crusty warrior guy uh, it was really neat to see some depth there um, so the characters helped lift it up for me too because I, I know we talked about it in 3 as well like I think 3 has the worst supporting cast like it was just not a lot of interesting people to hang around or spend time with like there was in 1 and 2 even it's because you didn't have the DLC yeah and that like the I can't remember his name the Prothean guy like he sounded fascinating I really yeah. wanted to Javik uh, Javik was yeah. fantastic Javik Javik yeah. is so good so yeah I, I think my ranking yep. would change if I had played the the legendary one which I still intend to get at some point one thing you know was I would I, I would always think about when I was playing the multiplayer because you get to play like all the different like races and everything and all the Krogan characters, um, when you're using them, like their melee move is just like this headbutt, you know? And they make that. the Krogan yells and all this stuff. So, like, every time I was playing this, I, was, I just thought of you. Like, every time I'm just running around headbutting all these guys to death. And it's really strong, you know, as you would imagine a Krogan headbutt would be. As you just, you know, you could totally, I would run around like whole matches, and all I was doing was just headbutt, headbutt, <laughs> killing everything with this headbutt. Yeah. And it was so much fun. I'm glad that makes me think of you. That's, or that makes you think of me. That's, that's means a lot. That one of my favorite scenes in the whole game was uh, like some Krogans headbutting each other uh, in the, I forget what the little, their little settlements called after the mutiny, but uh, yeah, they just had like a little fist fight ending in headbutts, which was just fantastic. Is it was it was it this one or one of the other ones? I don't remember. In one of them, you can headbutt one of the Krogan guys, like your character. Uh, like as a sign of dominance was it this one yeah yeah okay because i remember like the bam <laughs> you headbutt one and they're like whoa <laughs> yeah oh yeah wasn't that a thing where like they're like arguing and it's it was like a renegade interrupt or something and like he's like, oh like i don't know about this guy and you go in and just <laughs> smash him and he's like okay like yeah if i forget like exactly when that was but like it's i remember great. doing it's it great yeah i know you should they really need to make a, a Mass Effect game that is like uh, like a Dirty Dozen kind of, not that many characters, but I mean like, take all the races, like you can be a Krogan, your team is like a Vorcha, and you know what I mean? Just like a mess, and, and do yeah. it that way, right? That'd be a lot of fun. That'd be fun. That could be fun, definitely. Yeah. 
So I mean, this this was a uh, it was it was great, great, great to play through. Um, I've been thinking about the OG trilogy for a long time. So when Legendary came out and we got the opportunity to all play it together, I was really happy to uh, to get to do that, especially get through it with you guys. And then uh, when we decided to go through Andromeda together, this is not something I you know started the year thinking that we would play four Mass Effect games and then you know. A, a, a week before uh, you know this uh, show airs, we get N7 Day, where we get some uh, uh, a Mass Effect teaser image from Bioware that uh, just says Mass Effect will will go on. And I haven't read any spoilers. I, I know there's some comments out there from uh, Mark Meir and Jennifer Hale about possibly reprising you know some roles in there. So I'm trying not to you know well, get too, too far ahead. But was zoom in on that image. And there's a Krogan in the crew, so I was like, okay, I'm in. I'll play the next one. <laughs> well, I mean, Mass Effect uh, Krogan. We know a little. I mean, did you guys not watch the previous, like, preview video thing or whatever, like, teaser? I don't think not, so. When, when did it come out? Okay, it came out, I don't know, probably like a year ago. So yeah, just, I don't remember was it just one thing. of those dev things where they, like, showed character models spinning around on their computers? No. So okay. Man, you can go look for it. It's that. the first it's the first teaser for the next Mass Effect and what you see is um somebody like climbing up this like snowy that way it looks like this snowy scape whatever like with a hood and everything and mm. then like in the snow is like a little piece of an N7 helmet like a broken off mm. piece and they reach down and pick it up and kind of scrape it off, and you can kind of tell, you know, it's like a piece of Shepard's helmet. And then, mm-hmm. like, you just see the whoever it is, like, turns their head slightly so you can just see a little bit, and you can tell it's Liara. Mm. Oh, that does sound familiar now that you see that. Do you think it was on Vold with all the snow? I'm pretty sure it not. <laughs> Although, in that, like, teaser image we got this year, though, did you notice that the ship that you can see, look, its design is very reminiscent of the Tempest. I don't know. I, have, I haven't really done too much sleuthing on that image. If you look it looks, at the... It like, looks geth-shaped. looks geth-shaped in that meteor well, there, or whatever it crashed. What, if you look, like, on the Tempest... Like, the lettering, it's not there. Okay, I have to explain it. When you're going into multiplayer in Andromeda, you're just, like, the loading screen is this hangar bay, and you get to see, like, part of a ship, and, like, it says, like, S, F, E, or whatever it is, right? There's, like, some letters that are on it. And Mm. then in this same ship, in that teaser image, it has those same letters in the same space, in that mm, position, okay. and it has a very similar profile. It's not that you can tell it's not the Tempest, but the same kind of design cues. So, gotcha. I mean, I guess that doesn't really mean much because obviously the Tempest was designed back in the Milky Way and shipped to Andromeda, mm. but I just thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. So, stuff to watch. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to guess it's probably like 2024 when yeah. we'll see this game, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, if, my, if all you have is an image. Yeah, my only hope for that game is it is a single-player RPG, and they don't go Anthem or whatever they want to 
goofy NFT stuff with oh, it. Like they just just make a Mass Effect yeah. game. That's it. It's all I want. I don't need a different yeah thing. Nobody wants Anthem. I think including EA doesn't want Anthem. I, that's so. my hope is is yeah. that that did bad and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order did good and the Mass Effect Legendary Edition good. So mm. they're like, okay, we can do a single player game again. Like we are comfortable with that again. Mm. I hope they're in that mindset right now. All right. Well, I'm I'm really curious because and I, and I would need to look back at my game dev history because I don't follow this stuff like super duper close. But you got Casey Hudson, uh, creative director on the OGs, who I I know at some point he left Bioware and has since come back. Like they like reacquired him, I think, to put him on Anthem to like kind of right that ship a little bit. But I, I could be wrong on that. But I'm almost I'm wondering, okay, well, if Mass Effect is is going on at Bioware, is Casey Hudson creative director on Mass Effect? Like, so are they gonna you know give it give it to him because I know he wasn't on Andromeda because assuming he was on Anthem until he left that. But like, I just I don't follow the game dev stuff closely enough to to know if that's true or not. No idea. But yeah. It's 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 all it's all exciting stuff, but but like Kelsey said, the uh, well, that's why I thought Kelsey would be such a big fan of uh, 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 Bethesda because they just make single player things that don't have like Ubisoft, uh, you know, like big maps to unlock things on, right? I have honestly never given them a chance. I just hear about them and I'm like, that just sounds like not something I would enjoy. But honestly, I should try <laughs> New Vegas and Skyrim at the very least and, and see if one of those uh, strikes me. So I, yeah, I, I mean, played it's, Morrowind it's, uh, and I was I'm, like, I'm, I don't like Morrowind and I've never mm, visited them again. And I yeah. know they're very different now. So. Right, yeah, no, for sure. And um, well, you were mentioning some horror games uh, at the top of the show, right? Have you played The Evil Within's? Or no, uh, I would. Do you want to check that? Because that's uh, I can't. His name is blanking on me right now. Shinji Mikami is that his name? The Resident Evil guy. Does that sound right to anybody? Mm, sounds about right. Yeah, I think he's yes, did yeah. The Evil Within. So I definitely want to check those out. And I did like Call of Cthulhu, which was a Bethesda game on the original Xbox, which is very horror-themed as well. So there's one Bethesda game I enjoy. <laughs> I can't see you liking the Fallout Skyrim. I, I could be surprised. I, I That's how I've shocked. always felt, but I should try them just to, you know... Yeah, you should try. Yeah, yeah figure that try. out for myself. I, if, if I had to say try one i think i would probably say skyrim so i i kind of almost want to wait for the starfield game because i'm like at least it's a cool sci-fi thing like i i really eat that up a little more than fantasy settings so okay okay i don't want to get an xbox series x though so maybe i'll just play skyrim that's on everything (laughs) it is on everything everything all right, well, so that probably uh, uh, wraps up the uh, the Mass Effect for now. Uh, so thanks for everyone for coming on this journey with us. Uh, we want to thank uh, everyone for listening. Thank our patrons. If you would like to join us uh, on Patreon, it's uh, patreon.com slash collectorcast. Uh, you can find us on rfgeneration.com. Uh, Kelsey, uh, you can find him on Twitter, uh, Kelsey Polnick. you have anything coming up on the writing front, Kel? 
Uh, not anything immediately. Nope. Nothing going on. Just gotta get through a few more Nintendo Just games, and then we'll get some more. more Nintendo games. And then we'll get some more. Gotcha. All right, Chris, where can people find you to ask you all about the souls that are dark? Um, just at CollectorCast. That's the, if you want to hit me up, I run the show account. Perfect. And then I'm over on Twitter uh, at Bill underscore McGee. And that should just about do it. for. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time.